Gun. Damn it. What the hell does it look like? How the f do I know who it fucking looks like? It's dark. Jesus Christ, come upon a person unaware in a fucking graveyard. Welcome back to Gundammit MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo. And uh, joining me today is the Soul Bro. Soul Bro, say hello. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? And as you can see, I just said the singular uh, thing of Soul Bro because uh, Chris is actually not joining us today. He's off an assignment uh, doing some uh, research on culture, I think, with Dennis. And uh, we, we needed a pitch hitter, so we uh, brought in our, our old friend uh, Dolo to uh, kind of go in the the place of Chris, but not not doing everything that Chris would do, but just kind of as a as a third party here. So uh, Dolo, say hello. Uh, when you think you got rid of me before, I come back stronger than ever. Well, you just need to hold horses, son, because uh, don't we don't need to get too cocky because you screw up a couple times here, you're, you're out. Oh out my the gosh, quicker pace than what than what Solbro gets. <laughs> Well, no, everybody, everybody will be like, "Oh, I want to do." When you fire Soul Bro, uh, uh, you just put me on. Remember that? Remember all those crazy things, Soul Bro? All oh, those yeah. listeners put me in, coach. Friends of yours <laughs> were like, "Soul Bro, when Soul Bro gets fired, I'll replace him." It's like Soul Bro's not getting fired. When you hit Soul Bro, <laughs> with, that <laughs> Soul Bro right. with that paint slip, yes. <laughs> put me in, coach. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you guys called me up. I'm glad. But and it's good to be back on Gundam for a little while. So I'm sure Chris, once he gets back, he'll be uh, he'll be better than ever. That's for sure. Oh, I'm sure he'll be full of culture and, and hate. Well, that's uh, that's that's you know. But uh, this comes, is up. Hmm? He comes with hate standard, and uh, he's on assignment with not only uh, Dennis but uh, Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, yeah, he's joined with Jack Daniels, Evan Williams, and uh, Jim Beam, right? <laughs> Don't forget Johnny Walker. <laughs> They're all in the news crew there. <laughs> I think Johnny Walker's the director. <laughs> the game's the, uh, the cameraman. <laughs> but um, So, yeah, Chris will be back uh, next episode. So this is uh, episode 114. And in this episode, we're going to be doing two topics. The first one here is something we haven't done in a while. It's going to be a listener-submitted news uh, top or listener-submitted topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to going ahead of myself to the news here. It's been a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't, but it's only been two weeks, but whatever. Uh, the first one here is uh, from uh, Macross World's own Arbiter Gundam. And it's actually a, it's a topic suggestion, though, that's not even dealing with Macross. Oh, no, it does. The example does have it in here. Oh, yes. So uh, th- th- this is uh, fun crossovers that you would think would work well. And uh, Arbiter has a uh, example here of Macross and Halo, so we'll definitely uh, go with some of ours. And the uh, second um, segment we're going to be doing is going to be an interview with a voice actress, Erin Fitzgerald. And this is something that Dolo had set up for us, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about her career, and you know, a little bit about uh, the industry, and you know, dealing with the past, present, and future. I would imagine so. Uh, Definitely look out for that. But uh, before awesome. we do any, 
anything else, uh, we're going to be doing some uh, Neo's listener-submitted news articles here. And a little housekeeping before we uh, do this here. Um, okay. First off, we, we don't need rapid-fire submissions. I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm glad that people have uh, excitement and motivation to put on there, but just uh, sometimes some of these rapid-fire submissions, uh, meaning one after another, uh, just make sure that they're kind of uh, relevant. And the other thing is, too, is some of these things, um, double-check that they're not, like, Internet rumor-type deals or something like that. There's just a few submissions, and I'm not going to uh, name anything, but, um, you know, this, this, is a, this is a hard news uh, segment here. But <laughs> as reputable as it possibly yeah, can be. As reputable as it can be. Now, I mean, some of the stuff, it's just a little weirdy. And even Solbro, who's a little, little bit more connected into some of the stuff than I am, mm-hmm. uh, we have some questions. So we don't want to be doing any rumors or speculations or, any, you know, or anything when it comes to, like, um, uh, you know, that's maybe just uh, some type of meme type of deal. So just kind of double check it a little bit. If you're not too sure, then just don't just don't post it. I mean, um, and we always know that news can change and things can change, especially when it comes to movies and stuff like that. That's all fine. But some of the stuff, and I, I think you guys might know if you look at the last few posts here. So, and then the last one, uh, please <laughs> keep it in English. <laughs> <laughs> What if they post it in Spanish? Can you do that? I can actually read Spanish, but I'm not going to. We just want to keep it in English. Um, Mainly is the stuff from Japan and all that. I I know some of the listeners out there are able to speak and read Japanese. I understand that, and but we want to be able to make sure we, uh, you know, that we're able to look at it and that we're not saying. I, I want to be able to read it to make sure I'm not saying something or missing something uh, that could come back on uh, on us. So, uh, mm-hmm. other than that, uh, let's get to the first one here, and this is uh, right off the bat. This is kind of a crazy one. Oh. Uh, um, if I was, uh, I'm not going to go too much into this, but this is from Burtman Four. I was kind of skimming this article, and it's very disturbing. Uh, it's from Wired.com, so this this uh, website, the the days are counting, and <laughs> the title is "How Virtual Pop Star Hatsune Miku Blew Up Japan." It's Ooh. a very interesting article because it just kind of talks about one of the concerts and everything that's going on, and the people that are there, and. Um, the reactions that people have when they go to that very very disturbing and you know you know my uh, my thoughts on uh, artificial intelligence it's probably going to end up killing us but um, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very disturbing article in a lot of ways very very interesting but disturbing in the same way so uh, thank you Mr. Burtman for uh, everyone definitely check that out next one here uh, comes from oh Rodimus seventy six, and this is some good. This is some good news. This is this is the news that we like to see here. Oh, this is, and if I can just get to the tab because there's so much news. Gosh, dang it. Um, where is that news? News, news, <laughs> news. I got there's so much. Okay, this one right here, and this is uh, from iWatchStuff.com, and uh, it's uh, this is. This is Sir Bay News, and this is news that we all love to hear, and this is actually really good news. Uh, It's posted here that Transformers 4 is going to be set four years after the Goof uh, uh, So, As we know, uh, Mark Wahlberg is going to be starring in this new uh, uh, Transformers film, so it's definitely going to be some good stuff here. It's going to be 
Uh, quote here, Sir Bay said, uh, quote, the movie is going to continue four years from the attack on Chicago, which was in the last movie. It's going to have the same lineage, but it's going to go in a full new direction. Ooh. It actually feels natural how it's going to go in that direction. We're doing a lot of things that are really going to make it fresh and feel new. And uh, so we're going to have to wait till 2014 to see this, uh, this magnificent movie because we know it's going to be pretty awesome. <laughs> I know a lot of I know a lot of people are hesitant about this film, but here's here's what I have to say: if this p- film picks up where Dignam left off on The Departed, I'm game. <laughs> I'll put it to you this way: I, I you know, and I, I know that that's this is all in like the geek and nerd culture to hate mm-hmm. Mike Bay, oh, but yeah. you know what? Each movie makes more and more money. They're the first ones to watch it. I mean, oh, I, yes. I get. I guess in a lot of ways it must be the Howard Stern effect where, you know, his fans watched him but or his fans listened to him, but the people that hated him listened to him more. So I and and plus I don't even a lot of these people that hate on Survey are the same ones that have the um you know, the, the battered wife syndrome with George Lucas. So <laughs> all the those people now. You know. <laughs> so uh, all, all, but, all I gotta say is Michaelbay.com, you know where to go. Oh yeah, and it, and Solbro always lists it when we post up an episode. So uh, one of the most patriotic um, news uh, websites there is. The official domain of his banus. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Explosions and everything. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rodimus uh, Six, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from ooh, Rodimus Seventy Six again, and this one's a little weird. Thank God I had Solbro able to verify this one for me because when I and I and I really, Silver watches everything doesn't he he sure does suppose <laughs> a big he likes all these movie websites and stuff so he he watches this up because I mean with me I'm not even a big trailer person because especially if it's something I want to see mm-hmm. I usually don't even watch it watch the trailer till I see the movie you know I did have to sneak a peek at Iron Man 3 I mean, <laughs> obviously. That's, that's but you probably won't watch another trailer after that though uh, I'm not I would like to say I have the willpower not to, but after mm-hmm. seeing the first one. But there are there have been some movies in the past that I, I won't do it with. So I didn't do it with Iron Man 2. So um, I didn't watch any of the trailers. But yeah, this uh, comes from a course, uh, iWatchStuff.com again. And uh, it's a picture of... Uh, what they say, first look at All You Need Is Kill, which is a new Tom Cruise movie being filmed, and it says, meet Mecca Cruise. And it's basically got a picture of an explosion, and in front of it is Tom Cruise in like a weird, like, upgraded oh, Starship Troopers type of deal with... Oh, uh, God. I'm looking at it right now. This yeah. guy looks like he came okay. out of Starship Troopers or, or, or Gears of War. Yeah. Here's the war. An interesting thing about this movie is it's actually based on a light uh, science fiction novel um, from Japan. Uh, what by, what uh, movie nowadays isn't based on a novel or some of its pre-existing work? Yeah, but I mean, a Hollywood film being based on the Japanese light science fiction novel is actually pretty amazing, and um, it's actually being published here by Viz. I mean, there's because there's been is, but, some stuff, but yeah. I mean, I'm interested in actually reading the novels now that Viz is printing it here in the states, so. I'll probably check that out and see what yeah, that's about before the movie comes uh, out. It's kind of a Groundhog Day where I guess his the character repeatedly is rerunning a huge battle fought against some aliens. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of the twist on this. 
So uh, definitely uh, keep your eye out on that. And thank you, Mr. Rodimus76 there for that submission. And thank you, Tom Cruise, for looking completely out of place in a mecha suit. <laughs> a short dude in a mecha suit, man. It would be amazing yes. to see. <laughs> short guy in a mecha suit. <laughs> I love that movie. All right, next article here comes from one of our uh, resident Australian criminals, Vent Noir, number one, the most dangerous man in Australia. And uh, this is kind of a funny one. It makes me laugh. This is a uh, title here. comes from io9.com. Thousands of Australian students are taught that, the, that robots led the Russian Revolution. <laughs> I'd like to see the follow-up uh, article to see how many of these students actually believe this because, uh, well, they're Australian. So what are you saying? Um, actually, there's uh, something called the VCE exam, which is taken by nearly 6,000 students, probably to see if they're ready to go back into society or not. And they had a section devoted to the famous painting by Nikolai Kokogin of the storming of the Winter Palace by the revolutionaries in 1917. And whatever it says here, whoever put the exam together just used Google search to get the and pick the first thing that showed up. And the actual the actual picture that they use shows a mecca in the background storming the palace with the revolutionaries. And then, of course, they show the actual uh, um, the, the real um, unrobotified uh, painting there so you can definitely see the difference so actually uh actually kind of funny so oh my god you. wait a minute that's a that's one of the the that's the officer's pod from macross yeah <laughs> yeah I just, I just loaded up the article holy crap so two things that you have to learn from this first robots do not participate in the russian revolution in 1917 <laughs> secondly is just don't use the first picture that comes up on google search <laughs> That's the second time that's happened. I noticed in this article that um you know that whole um what's it the whole scandal with uh with with general uh, with uh, General Petraeus some some news article and I saw this on TV but some news um some news uh local news uh affiliate when they showed the cover of the book that she uh, Paula Broadwell wrote it was like a modified one um from the title that she did and it wasn't it wasn't the true cover of the book but the people just were in a hurry and they used yeah. the joke cover and it made it on air so you know people got to be careful what they use off the internet is it, it can come back to bite you in a hard way yes especially if you're a news outfit like that you should practice the the rules we learned in the newsroom uh remember the, show. Remember the rules of Larry about King. That. he <laughs> knows all about that jeff daniels would never let that happen on the newsroom <laughs> Just as a final note from me on this Russian Revolution and robots, I would love to see somebody do an anime based on the on just this. Got to make it of a great book. I did one, but it wasn't that. It was robots in the World War II, Kinshin Core. Oh yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's right. So, but didn't have a. I think they dealt with the Russians in that. I don't know. I have to remember. But well, I'm uh, sure somebody will correct us on the forums. Of course, that's what they're there for. <laughs> uh, Oh, this this next news article is going to be, I'm sure, sponsored by Macross World. Oh, uh, it's coming from Arbiter. Yes, indeed. And, uh, I think it's time you need to start paying up. And Arbiter <laughs> does the worst thing. And the reason why I did this is because I wanted to call him out on this. He gave a link to a a website in Japanese. Oh, so no. don't do what Arbiter does. And if I'm you, Macross World, I'd re I'd uh, t I'd take back that money you're paying him for that link. So. <laughs> Next one here comes from Rodimus76. Haven't had him post in a while. 
<laughs> this is actually kind of cool. I'm actually a little bit looking forward to this. And this comes from criticsforgeeks.com. And it's been confirmed that there's going to be a live-action Gotcha Man movie. And I guess it's in production right now. It's, uh, and of course, it's the classic Tatsunoko series, Science Ninja Team Gotcha Man, or for all those people in the U.S., it was G-Force, or Battle of the Planets, too. <laughs> so it had about nine different names. Eagle and, Riders? Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be, it's going to be a Japanese production, and there's going to be a lot of people from um, uh, a lot of uh, the Tatsunoko or Japanese films, and some of the uh, one is Tora Masanuki. He's uh, from. He was in Samurai Sentai Shinkanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also he's going to be Ken, the leader of the Gatchaman. Oh, Another Ken. one's going to be O Ian, who's mm-hmm. in Rider Five Five Five, and Roroni Kenshin. Is he the guy playing Kenshin? Do you know? I, I don't know actually. Uh, if anything, that, I- <laughs> that movie doesn't look too bad. No, the it looks pretty good actually. Kenshin. But this is not Samurai at MHQ. Um, <laughs> I am Gorky, who's uh, Mirai Nikki, who will be uh, June. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatsumono Hamada is going to be Jinpei. And Ruhi Suzuki is going to be Ryu. So uh, if you know any of those names or are familiar with uh, any of their works, so. They actually have some pictures of the people below uh, the members of uh, Gotcha Man, so Man. looks like it's going to be pretty good. So if it if it's any if it's as good as the uh, the Yamato film, man, I it's, it's something to look forward to. Uh, as uh, long as as long as my boy Joe Condor is off the chain, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the guy that the Go Ayano, he's going to be Joe. So mm-hmm. yeah, Joe's the man. Um, well, let's def- see where it goes from there. Yeah, we'll definitely keep you posted on that. Uh, next one here uh, comes from oh, it comes from Bloody Night. This is actually kind of cool. It seems like uh, Production IG is actually doing something that's not Evangelion for once. Uh, <laughs> but they, I guess they're making an original anime to promote the new um, Mercedes Benz <laughs> A class. So it's actually kind of funny. This is from Anime News Network, and uh, it shows a little poster of some kids here. It's going to be uh, for the ne- it's going to be a six minute anime short set in Tokyo in the near future, and the three protagonists go on a high speed pursuit of a certain target in quotes in the new A class car. So definitely check that out if you're a fan of Production IG or Mercedes or whatever. And thank you, Mister Bloody Knight, for your submission. Some some people get mobile suits. Some people get some Mercedes Benz. <laughs> <laughs> pick and choose your pick and choose your equipment, I suppose. But <laughs> the mobile suit, hands down. Well, what if it was a mobile suit made by Mercedes Benz? That would be off the chain. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Best of both worlds. <laughs> but uh, we know it have a lot of power. That's the one thing we would know. Uh, next one here is is this E E A Net Dude or E Nate Dude? What is this guy's name? It's E A Net Dude. EA Net Dude. Well, EA Net Dude is a lying bastard. Oh, oh what? Because, 
He's sitting here, and he, his title of his of the article that he has hyperlink here is saying, "Survey to ship American jobs to China." Oh, oh, piss on you! <laughs> I saw this, and this is coming from ComingSoon.net, and you're just going for the shock factor. Might as well go work for uh, the O'Reilly Factor or something like that. Get your oh, news straight. It says with casting now in full swing, Michael Bay's upcoming Transformers Four is working out where its production will take place. A new report from Vulture suggests that the film has earmarked. China to both shoot and take place in. Wow, big freaking deal. Like every other action film in what the last four or five years hasn't done the same thing. I know, um, what is it? Uh, Dark Knight was had part of it in China. Mm-hmm. I, I Falls got part of it in China. Yep. Transformers 3, or no, Transformers 2. Which one? One of them was in China. They had part in China too. I know. Oh, the foreign movies uh, shoot all over the world too. Yeah, uh, so it's just, it's the same thing. So you know, I, I know. I guess this is shocking because it's Michael Bay and oh, blah blah blah. We gotta hate him because that's the nerd. That's the cool nerd thing to do. Hate on Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say EA EA that dude was was trying to hate, but um, I, I guess you know news, news is leaking out about this, and if people think that the whole movie's gonna be filmed in China, I don't think that's gonna be the case at all. It's probably they probably got a major set piece happening in China, or maybe one yeah. of the acts takes place there. But um, as for the whole movie, no, I, I'm pretty sure some of it will be filmed right here because uh, uh, Michael Bay likes to work with the American military. So why even pass up the opportunity to do so? And I don't think there's any bases in China at all. So <laughs> well, the other thing too, a lot of these movies like that, their big thing now is to go across to different uh, countries and cities. So I mean that that's that's a big thing with a lot of these action movies, and, we, and we've seen it now because you know. And the other thing too is China's giving them huge incentives to do all this stuff just like you know a lot of states or and a lot of countries to give incentives to film there so you know i, I don't know we'll, we'll see but i, I know it's it, we we got to make it shocking because it's michael bay and blah 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 so you ain't that dude you're still on you're still on my hit list oh damn <laughs> uh, you call it a hit list i call mine a shit list <laughs> Everybody's got their own title for it. Yeah. The <laughs> next one here is uh, from uh, Rodimus76. Like, we haven't heard from this guy. Right? Oh, man. But uh, this is actually, this this is something I couldn't pass up, though. Because this, uh, this is robot news. And uh, there's uh, this is from geeklogy.com. And it says, uh, great news, really. Mind-controlled humanoid robot. No, this is not good news. It shows a guy with like some special helmet on who's able to control a uh, a robot, and it's a it's a video from the Joint Robotics Laboratory featuring a humanoid robot that's that's controlled via brain computer interface. Basically, the guy wearing the silly hat, and if you're looking at the picture, focuses thoughts on an on-screen direction arrow to make the robot move in that direction. Hmm. Oh, my God. This is just uh, tomes. I'm going to have to go for more planning because this is stuff I don't want to hear about. So thank you, Mr. Rodimus, for making me not be able to go to sleep tonight. But I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Solbro doesn't care because he's a robo-lover. Indeed. And I don't know about Solo. He looks like a Cylon, that's like for sure. So... It's going to be me and just a few people fighting fighting for our freedom. This is how, well, this is how you get heroes like the Admiral, man. Well, this as I this... told you, Paul, I'm going, I'm, going to, I'm going to Mars and establishing the colony of Vegan so we can take over the Earth again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, right. That's just what we need. Another 
Uh, no, no. <laughs> Sounds like Dalo has a contingency. Plan. Yeah, great. <laughs> hey, everybody will be uh, done dancing to my tune. At least I know that for sure. <laughs> All right. The next one here is from Mecton GM, and this probably should have been the lead story because, my God, I know I was having drinks with Bill Bosby the other day, and he was excited about this because he, he told me this might mean another, there might mean a second season of uh, uh, Defender of Destiny, the TV show, because it's on like a permanent infinite hiatus right now. And, and so Bosby, he, he enjoyed doing that. And this is coming from Gundam Guy, the blog, Mobile Suit Gundam. From Sea Destiny, HD Remaster Project begins. The official live stream of the 50th and final episode of Mobile Gundam Seed HD Remaster Project ended with an announcement that the HD Remaster Project for Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Destiny anime. The, the Gundam Seed HD Remaster began streaming on the Bandai Channel service last December. And it was, yeah, I've actually seen some of it. So, and uh, so this means that we're going to, if anyone's seen the Seed HD Remasters, well, you're going to get the same treatment that's with Destiny now. So um, I'm sure uh, Jabman, I actually, I actually spoke to Jabman about this beforehand. And uh, this is, uh, I know we're doing Hopers and Dreamers segment this, this, uh, this episode because Chris is uh, off doing what he's doing. But um, he was in Hopers and Dreamers land because according to, according to him, this means now that the long delayed or vaporware seed movie project is going to be greenlit. So, uh, Solbro, your thoughts on the Seed Destiny HD remaster project? Are you excited? Have you seen the Seed? Have you seen the Seed HD remaster? I actually saw a few episodes of it, and um, yeah. it looks really good. Um, I, and I guess Destiny will, will look just as good, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's like just it's dressing up a pig at this point. I, I, yes. <laughs> I mean, I understand the, the reason for doing it for continuity's sake and and the double dip. And and provide um you know eight, I think uh, double dip is the bigger one yeah pretty actually much. triple dip <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've seen a couple of episodes for the Seed Destiny at least Seed was a decent show with the Destiny one I can understand why they're doing it in Japan but ugh, gosh I can't I just can't, I just don't think I'm gonna be but able to watch it that's for sure though, do you agree with uh, idiots like uh, Jabban that think that this means that the long of uh, the 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 long spoke about vaporware seed movie project is going to be greenlit because, um, as as Jabman's told me, why would they be doing this unless they weren't building up to something? Which doesn't make any sense because all you're doing is upconverting something that was already been made. It's a lot cheaper to do than do a whole new movie. So do you guys think that that's uh, the case here, or do you think this is just more hopes and dreams that are probably going to get crushed? Uh, I think people are setting themselves up to be disappointed. I mean, yes. I, I think these would have to sell like gangbusters for that to happen, and then have to be like a public outcry for uh, another project to be done. But maybe this is their way of testing the waters. I can't say whether it means anything or not. I mean, I just right at this point, it's, you have to it's remember right, though. Uh huh. You have to remember though that Destiny was uh, was popular in Japan. It was. The only place it wasn't popular was like the U.S. and some of the Western countries. So the you know if if they were going to do this movie, wouldn't they have already done it by now? I mean, Possibly, that, that would be my question because it's not like this. It's not like Destiny was a, a dud in Japan. 
if they did something, if they did a seed, a seed movie universe, you know, it would do well in Japan. So it just, I don't know. It hasn't been done. It hasn't happened yet. I mean, hell, Double O had a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Double O had a movie like about a year after the series was done. So. I, I, I think that was due to the, the show being budgeted well and being managed well. And them actually, you know, mapping out the the, move, the need for a movie. It is just destiny made money. Yeah, I mean, outside of the budget with the show and all the goofiness of there, they made money on that on that thing with uh, all the ancillary stuff. So it's not like that show didn't make money. I just, uh, I hope all these people are getting set up for failure. I'll I'll take Chris's uh, attitude on this one. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he's thinking too. You hope so. as hopes and dreams get crushed. As hopes and dreams get crushed. Yes. That's the spirit. <laughs> definitely, definitely the case. So thank you for that submission. And I'm sure you got poor, uh, he's, uh, what's his face? Uh, Jab Man's dancing to get the jig. And like I said, Sil Bosby is very happy because it means the sec- <laughs> second season of uh, Defender of Destiny. Because he's he doing that Sil Bosby. <laughs> oh, yeah. That guy. Yeah, he he loves his uh he loves his um judo in the junkyard kids. That's for sure. <laughs> he loves them all, man. Uh, next one here comes from Hunter Slasher thirteen, and uh, this is some exciting news because uh, I I know um what was it? How how long ago was this announced? When more people's childhoods got killed when Survey uh, uh, <laughs> was you know he was he was more responsible for uh, all these people's childhoods being destroyed mm-hmm. about the Ninja Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who now are going to be like uh, Space Age Ninja Turtles or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, well, not too uh, long ago, not too long ago at all. This comes from SlashFilm.com. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is uh, the they, they spoke with uh, one of the co-creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman. And uh, he's saying here that he's uh, likening Ninja Turtles to the Avengers in terms of scope and roots origin. Mm. So uh, he's saying that there's going to be um, some good with this, whereas... I guess uh, his the other co-creator, Period Laird, has expressed his unhappiness with the reboot's direction. Oh, so I guess wow. one guy's one guy's with it and one guy's not. So I guess we have. I, I wonder who's going to win on this. I think uh, we'll all win because um, you know, in the end, people debating a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is kind of nuts. So it's like, what are you debating? You're debating turtles that mutated that became ninjas. So. Let's put this all in context here, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely keep this uh, keep this going. I guess there's some uh, some articles or there's some uh, things with uh, Eastman's interviews with different people talking about um, uh, his thoughts about the movie. So we'll I keep could, you keep you posted on that. What's up? I could be wrong about this, but um, I believe I don't think Peter Laird makes any money off of TMNT anymore. I think, oh. I think he's the one that sold one of the creators sold their rights um, to TMNT uh, off. And, oh, really? Uh, and I think um, Kevin Eastman still gets you know he didn't sell his rights to uh, to get any kind of residuals or back end. So I think um, he's got every reason to hype this movie. <laughs> so well, so so one's not happy because well I can see that it's going to make a ton of money and oh, I'm yeah. not going to diddly squat. And so I'm just going to bash it anyway. So, mm-hmm. but okay, that's interesting. That could be part of it. Or it could be that uh, Peter Laird, since he's not getting paid, he's just being straight up honest about uh, what he's read so far and, 
and and whatnot. Who knows? I I I think there's some bias there, but on which side? That's the question. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows at this point? But uh, thank you, Mr. Hunter Slasher, uh, for your submission there. And uh, the next one here is from Aronimus76 again. My God, dude. Man, he is prolific uh, today. Yes, but this is uh, dealing with um, this is uh, robot apocalypse news, so it's got to be said. This is uh, from Geekologi, Logi, and it says, the title here is, I said it for years, Human Rights Watch urges ban of autonomous weaponized robots before it's too late. Yes, exactly. The Human Rights Watch has just issued a 50-page report titled Losing Humanity, the Case Against Killer Robots that urges governments to ban the development of fully autonomous robots designed to kill. A one-page addendum to the report was written by yours truly adds, just ban them so we can all get drunk and turn punches. Take turns punching each other's privates. That's actually funny. But this, if this is the case, and the the the, the world's governments don't do this, this is this is the end, man. Judgment day. Judgment day. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I got I got some things going on. I I, I know what's up. Uh, that that whole report needs to be packaged with the entire season of the new Battlestar Galactica, and of course the Terminator trilogy. Yes. <laughs> Blade Runner. A little reminder. Yes. <laughs> of what's to come. Yes. <laughs> And, every, exactly. and and Isaac Asimov stuff, but uh, but yeah, only, robot, <laughs> but only uh, but you you disregard uh, Terminator Three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take that out. Put in four. <laughs> yes. 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 But um, all right. Next one here comes from guess who. <laughs> Uh, this is this is actually going to be the last one here. This is actually a pretty cool one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of news, so I, I'm sorry if I skipped over anybody's uh, articles here. But my God, we'd probably be going on forever. Mm-hmm. Some of the, I, I I thank the enthusiasm, but sometimes we've got to make some cuts here. That's how the news biz is. But um, last one here comes from a it's a criminal Australian, and it's not the one you thought. This is uh, Vent Noir, the, the uh, Australia's most dangerous criminal. Oh, and wow. this is from io9. This is pretty cool. Uh, it is the tw- 20 best cliffhangers ever shown on science fiction or fantasy TV. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Um, what do you think is number one? Uh, I, I've already seen the article, so I can't. I, I can't. I, 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 I'm already cheated. So <laughs> what is number one then? Well, number one on the list. Uh, I've, I haven't seen it. I've seen the show, but I didn't see this one. I, I actually saw this episode. Uh, one of our one of one of our members of uh, Shinjuku Station, Shoji Ramaro, is a huge Adventure Time fan, and he's got me into watching the show. And the Lich um, episode just recently aired before the new season just started up. It's quite the cliffhanger. Um, the main character of the show, he's he's kind of like uh, the only human in a in a world full of just weird creatures and whatnot. And um, at the end of the episode, he transcends uh, re- uh, realities to go into a more realistic world. And, and there's no explanation as to why. It's just, it just leaves you on a cliffhanger. It's really good. Um, if you follow the show for a while, you'll really enjoy it. What's that? Does it deserve to be number one? Does it deserve to be number one? I don't know if these are in any kind of particular order. Are they? Yes, yeah, there's are. a top five. 
Yes. <laughs> wow. That is why they're that is why they're like number one. <laughs> I, I, I will say this: Adventure Time does have a really ferocious following. Does it deserve to be number one? I haven't watched the show in full, so I, I'm not as behind that 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 cliffhanger as some of the other ones in this list. So to me, no, it doesn't deserve to be number one compared to some of the other ones I'm seeing here. That's that's that was the question, not the whole series. <laughs> Dolo, have you seen this show or have you seen this episode? I've seen the show, but not the episode. I've, I've, I've seen the show, but not this uh, particular episode. I know my fan, my friend is a big, huge fan of it, and he says it was pretty good. I was so, surprised man. to see um, uh, an, uh, an addition here from uh, Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, based it's part one. I just yes. recently saw that episode. I've been going for Voyager on Netflix again. Uh, just, oh, yeah. uh, so. oh, and then there's Matt. Number eight is Matt Cross Robotech, the messenger. So oh, yes. Tells the humans. <laughs> That the main Zentradi fleet is on its way to Earth. Ooh, that's right before the rain of death. It's raining lasers. Oh my God! Oh, I, I, I take it underground. As an eight-year-old kid, almost peed myself when this episode came on. <laughs> and it says, "You're crazy. A fleet of almost five million. Then <laughs> said, "There's no way we could fight them off. We're finished." Some of these other ones I haven't seen. I've never they seen. Have, as number thirteen, they have Del- Delina Barry from Ed's Files. That's a pretty good episode. Yeah, yeah I wish Chris was here because I know number two is Angel episode tomorrow. I know he's a big Angel fan, and I know he's a big X Files fan too. There's Doctor Who. The Pandora yeah. opens. Uh, uh, the, the original Battlestar Galactica is here too. Yeah, the show Lay that- Down Your Barons Part One. Where, which one is that? That's part actually two. that's actually uh, from the rebuild. That's actually from this is from the remake. Lay down your burdens, part two yeah. for Battlestar Galactica. Um, this is the one. Is this the one where it says uh, we jump forward a year and suddenly everything has changed? The Cylons show up, and when the humans are the most domesticated and unprepared, also notable the endings of Pegasus and Revelations. I got to say the cliffhanger in Battlestar Galactica that had me going was the one where um, all the all the all the secret Cylons. Met in that run room, and they were playing uh, the Watchtower. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's an amazing scene. Yeah, but this one's got the this has got the Adama maneuver, right? Oh, this yes. is the one where he yeah. he folds the freaking uh, Galactica into the atmosphere to launch the Vipers. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking hardcore, man! Oh my gosh, man! It's like that that is such a and cool stash. <laughs> he broke all sorts of laws of physics that day. Yes, he didn't even bat an eye. Yeah, there's uh, oh the uh, star oh I know I'm surprised this one wasn't higher. Yeah. Star Trek: The Next Generation, the best of both worlds, part one. That's the one where uh, Picard gets assimilated, right? This is the yeah, it is. This is if this wasn't in this list, this list would have no credibility. Yeah, number but I don't 20. understand why this is number twenty. I don't know. And the fact that that Voyager is higher. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Does it say that this article has them in an exact order as an? Level because it would have with, to be because I don't. Let's see, I'm reading it here. Here are the 20 awesomest. And that one, the one from Next Gen, is the one. It's the best cliffhanger out of all of these. Why would you number? Why would you number all of these if what? that was the case? See, yeah. that's that's what I'm saying. Unless they're doing it here, I was thinking no, they're not doing it alphabetically. So I guess this is their their thought of of. Um, I was a, I was a kid in high school when that Ooh, happened. That I I, oh yeah, I remember this one. <laughs> but, I, I know that this left a lot of people mind deaf. I was a, I was a kid in high school when that episode dropped for uh, Next Gen, and that was the talk of the summer. People were saying, "Man, is he gonna kill Picard? Is Riker gonna do it?" No, no, of course not, man. He loves that man. 
But um, also shout out to Lost. I know that um, it, the, the, my other co-hosts today are not big fans of this, but the episode they pointed out here, the incident, is one of the best cliffhangers of all time too. I love that episode. But um, and I wish I knew about the Fringe one. I, I got to st- get started on watching on that show. Chris is actually watching Fringe right now, and I'm sure you would have things to say about that. The the episode of Fringe they listed here over there, part two. Hmm. Interesting, but. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission there. And uh, thank you, everyone, for all of your submissions. And if you ever have a news article, always go to the NEOs Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk Forum. And like we had stated earlier, uh, the Hopers and Dreamers segment is going to be postponed because um, the Dream Killer is not here. Uh, just the... <laughs> Just, um, just Mr. Hope and Dream himself, uh, Soul Bro. And uh, so anything, guys, before we go to our first topic here? No, I'm excited, man. We're going to talk about crossovers, one of my favorite subjects of all time. I hope everybody enjoys uh, enjoys what we have for them today, that's for sure. So, All right, well, we'll be back in a little bit. You were listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, Jesus, where are these goddamn animals? Get rid of everything that creates hate, everything that helps make it grow. Alright, everyone, this is Sil Bosby, and you've heard about Judo! Judo! Judo Washington! Judo and the Junkyard Kids. Well, this fall on WSBR, they're gonna be coming to your home! Uh, annoying pest! What are you looking at? <laughs> You're being mean, Judo! Why won't you play with me? Judo is under my control. Join Judo as they go against all the wackiness with the Mashima and the Junkyard guy. And you learn a little things in the end. That's it. This fall, Judo and the Junkyard kids on WSBR for your DVR favorites. Judo, you just watch. I'm going to get you this time. Just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast? Bulma, brief. From Dragon Ball Z is such a tease. Anime. You're gonna go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not gonna let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old, the man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All I gotta say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. It's so goddamn hot. Milk was a bad choice.
right, everyone. Welcome back uh, to Goddamn It MHQ. This is our first topic here. This is uh, a listener submitted topic that we haven't done. We haven't done one of these in a while, and it's coming from uh, Arbiter Gundam. And uh, his topic submission here is funny crossovers that you think would work well. And the example that he had given was Macross and Halo. Rich, gosh, actually kind of thinking about that, that would be kind of cool. Wouldn't it be cool to see, especially in like a Macross Frontier where they had the, the armor suits that were part of the Valkyries? Wouldn't it be cool to see Master Chief being able to get part of a, a Valkyrie like that? Oh, man. Dude, that would be pretty awesome, huh? Master Chief? That would be a full of win right there. <laughs> that would be tons of win. Master so. Chief is that drunk uh, as, as the drunk senpai, man? Let's go. As <laughs> but uh, Zola, since you're since you're the uh, the the guest here, uh, what would be a funny crossover that you would think would probably work pretty well? Well, going back on the news article of this episode, I'm going to pose out Macross crossover with the Russian Revolution. <laughs> oh, that's a cheap one. <laughs> The, the Australians I mean, already did that for you. <laughs> but seriously, man, can you imagine that if they did a show or some type of movie where they basically uh, just romanticized the fact that robots led the revolution against the evil czar? Yeah. That would just be absolutely crazy. And I would, I would pay... Like I would pay money to see that. Just well, it's funny. It's funny though because if you think about it, there's been lots of um, you know, like uh, period uh, animes, especially some of the ones set like the Meiji and all that, where they've had mm-hmm. like kind of mechas in there. You know, um, I know in some of the later stuff of Roni Kenshin, they have kind of mecha suits in there. Not not so much, but some certain things like that. Uh, what was it in Robot Carnival? Remember that funny uh, thing in, in there, Chris? Or uh, I'm sorry, getting <laughs> me confused with Chris? Are you? Uh, so, but remember there, that that one story where they uh, had the what was it, the Sentai team? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, it right? was absolutely awesome. So anything like anything Macross with uh, like some type of historical would be uh, that would be kind of cool. But uh, Solpro, what would be uh, one that you would think would probably work pretty well? I was wondering, what would go well with, say, uh, Top Gear? Like, you cross Top Gear over with something that was mecha-related, where they, instead of driving cars, they would drive mechas. That they would, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they would, and do stupid stuff with them. Like, like, like Top Gear uh, with G-Gundam. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd have to probably do something with um, uh, well, Mosapeda or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, the, even though you'd have Jeremy Clarkson bitching the whole time. Yeah, because he hates motorcycles. Motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> I was inspired because I see uh, one of our posters on, um, I think it's Raijin's on uh, Mecha Talk has a, um, he has a, uh, his his avatar is a picture of uh, a red comet Stig, and it's like, dude, that that would be badass to see that. <laughs> Somebody just went nuts on Photoshop, but it was a really cool picture, and that's that's a pretty neat crossover. And just to see the Stig be able to pilot different mobile suits and just go to town on them man that would just be worth the price of admission right there oh yeah that that would uh that would be pretty interesting one that i was actually kind of (laughs) kind of thinking about here was um it'd be a real funny one but i think it could possibly work pretty well Mm-hmm. Would be like uh, gets and the Matrix. 
<laughs> almost a perfect fit, man. Because if you, kind of, if you kind of think about it, it's the one. It, they kind of talk about it a little bit in Gits when it comes to the artificial intelligence, but then we don't have it where it went crazy and it basically starts to kill all the humans, mm-hmm. like in the Matrix. And uh, definitely, we'd have some cool stuff. All that, all that cool stuff in. Um, uh, you know, in the cyberspace, you know, between uh, what was it uh, all the training, all the training simulations they had in the Matrix, uh, or that chat room at one point. Yeah, yeah. So that would be really kind of interesting to see because you would have the 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 you know people that are actually ro- in robotic bodies, mm-hmm. uh, but they're actually people. So you know that that'd be kind of pretty interesting, I think, right there. So. Um, <laughs> Next, uh, next thing I'm going to go here is I'm going to go back to Solbro. Solbro, what would you think would be a, a funny crossover or a fun crossover that would work pretty well? I just had one on the tip of my tongue, too. Uh, I, I wanted to cross over Transformers with something. Now, Transformers have been crossover with some things in the past, like G.I. Joe and whatnot, <laughs> and that, that was just dumb. <laughs> but um, no, it, there, there have been more recent uh, releases of that that have actually been a little bit cooler. But um, I, I guess Transformers would work well with, uh, with, with Top Gear. But, um, what about Transformers and Street Fighter? Oh, How would be, that work? That would be horrible. But that would be the most dumb thing ever. Here's a better one. Dragon Ball Z with G Gundam. It's a perfect marriage, dude. Yeah, that would, <laughs> you know what? That would actually kind of work pretty well. Oh, my God. I would, I would, I would, I would lose my shit. <laughs> Because in a way, in a way, the uh, the 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 God Gundam did go kind of Super Saiyan. It did indeed. It did. Yes, it did. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of characters did. Now I got yeah. a question for you guys: Who would win, Goku or Domon Kashu in the God Gundams? <laughs> well, here's, here's the issue: you, Can you ever really kill Goku? No. As long as the Dragon Balls are around, and I mean, it also depends how many sensu beans they have. So. <laughs> Domon would need several. <laughs> it would be kind of interesting, though, to see how uh, a Gundam would kill uh, Krillin, because, you know, Krillin in every arc has to be killed uh, magnificently uh, by every villain or uh, antagonist in each uh, story arc. So I would be more interested in how Yamcha would go out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, well, he'd go out very quickly, like he always does. <laughs> oh, damn. He'd be that grunt. <laughs> Like I said, though, I'd rather see what the the, the deal with Krillin because um, it would it would definitely be um, uh, you know he because I, I, I always remember when he got blown up by Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> he had the worst death of anyone during that whole that whole story arc. But yeah, that would be kind of interesting, actually. Yeah, anything with uh, that That's... that would be really cool. I know I have another one, and this is something I've actually wondered because I'm not an avid comic book reader, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I wish I was, to be honest. But um, in the Marvel Universe, since they have the Sentinels, has there ever been like a variation story about um, Sentinels actually being piloted by human beings like like, like, um, so like Marvel suits have been? No, they're, they're, pro- they're piloted by human beings now. Oh, the, I was... In, in the Civil War arc, the Sentinels are pro- uh, piloted by human beings. Oh, that is badass. I was, yeah. I was wondering like if, if, they, if they made a, a side story or, or some kind of story where um, somebody, you know, one of them gets a mech jack like in the, all the Gundam series and then someone super robots it out. To take on other Sentinels, I don't ever done anything like that. But they, mm-hmm. they, but I said in the regular continuity, they they are um, they are piloted 
by um, humans. And that was a big thing, especially in the Civil War uh, story. But yeah, that would be kind of cool to have a, uh, this basically Sentinel Gundam. Kind of like, like a SG, yeah. Because I always like the Marvel comics that were um, like kind of funny on the side, like uh, Damage Control was always yeah. one of my favorite series. And to have like kind of a tongue-in-cheek series that takes inspiration from Super Robot Mecha um, series and whatnot and just have like just some young kid who ends, man, manages to jack one of those Sentinels and then um, gets it customized in his own way to make it more Super Robot and, and fight against other like rogue Sentinels or just oppressive Sentinel um, pilots in order to like, you know, just... Just be a freedom fighter of some sort. Um, you know, just a side story, some cool shit like that. I would love to see that just brought to the Marvel Universe as some kind of uh, just weird off-tangent story. It, it's just something that came to my mind one day when I, um, when I was just reading up some things on the Marvel Sentinels and the Marvel Universe. Yeah, it would be cool. That, that would that, be uh, interesting to see, at least. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised they haven't done it because, I mean, you, you think of um, a lot of a lot of your comic book writers and stuff. You know, they're they're in that age now that a lot of them are, been, they grew up with anime, so mm-hmm. there's there's influences because you can see in a lot of, I'm sure Dolo can kind of attest to this. Some of these uh, some of these comics now, you know, for a while they've they've gone to some of that. The manga look and yeah, you know, and some of that. And, art even, and there was even some, and there's also like shout outs to even like some of the old, some of the stuff that's being made that was made in Japan. Like yeah. I was reading, I was recently reading a like a uh, a Green Lantern comic uh, that was made before the new uh, the new reboot, and I saw Gurren Logan in there. So I thought that was kind of unusual to even see that there. Wow. So so yeah, the it, so yeah, it would be interesting. And honestly, at that point. I kind of do agree with Paul that at this point it's kind of overdue in some yeah, ways. Yeah, surprised, surprised it hasn't been done. So, Dolo, what would what would be a cool crossover that or fun crossover? Well, I've been trying to rack my brain for for something good, and I think spelling? I and I think I got one, and that would and that would be ah, uh, sorry, but Eureka Seven and Gurren Logan. If you had a war break out between the two universes, and somebody had to who had to win out just to save the other. <laughs> Actually, wouldn't it be better if it was like uh, the the world of Tony Hawk Pro Skater and <laughs> Seven? Wouldn't that work a little bit better? Hell yeah! <laughs> would, would, would you love to see Tony Hawk on on a, a God, what are the, what are they called? The, the red uh, boards. Yeah, the, yeah, that's what I always forget what those things are called in Nurka Seven. But yeah, that would be kind of cool. Well, I mean, Gurren Lagann and Nurka Seven. That would be a funny one. Of, I, was trying, I, was trying, I was just trying to think of like the most ridiculous one I could possibly have. Think uh, of. Have uh, have Kamina on a uh, on, on a surfboard. Uh, on a on a ref board, one time they need they need money, so they decide to, to go into a ref competition, and you just see him flying all over the place. He'd be great, <laughs> chewing out everybody. Say they have no heart, and they have to they have to put their hearts into actually flying their boards. <laughs> it would be great, honestly. That would be pretty funny. And the most epic uh, f, most epic by battle between the two, if you have Comina uh, against uh, uh, what was this? What was the guy's Holland. name? Holland. Holland. There we go. That would be yeah. a battle just to see. See, I would love to see that one. But yeah, that's my choice. <laughs> well, following uh, Solbro's venture into Marvel Comics, I actually have one that I think would work Ooh. really well, and I would, I would, I would help produce this movie. Oh shit! Oh boy! Cowboy Bebop and Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Deadpool on the Bebop with Cowboy Bebop people. 
looking for that, bounties. That would be quite tacos. something. <laughs> Chimichangas, man. Could you imagine <laughs> the banter between Deadpool and these guys? Oh my god. Uh, he drive he drive jet more insane than Spike does. <laughs> and the problem is they'd shoot him every time, but he'd, he'd come back alive. They wouldn't know what to do. I can't imagine how many times Faye would shoot Deadpool. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know Deadpool would be like just being the the creepiest perv there ever was no doubt. with her, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the only people who would get along with him at that point would be I'm the dog and Ed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he'd probably be best friends with that because oh, they're yeah. both nuts. They're both nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, tell me that would not be a great, <laughs> great crossover. That'd be that would awesome. be awesome. That would be ingenious. That would be awesome on every level. All right, Soul Bro, you gotta fit Street Fighter in here some way, somehow. I know, I know you're, I know you're racking your brain. I will eventually. <laughs> One of the few times you can actually mention it, and it might be relevant for once oh in this show. <laughs> well, before before I do, um, I, because we uh, we're we're in a future episode, we're gonna be reviewing our uh, Panzer World Galliant. An idea came to mind. What would happen if, um, and this has probably already happened in a Super Robot Wars game, but what would happen if you had all the fantasy mecha series um, crossover in some way, shape, or form? Like just have one all-out um, Dukeru or some crisis ends up like colliding their worlds together, like Dunbine. Crisis on Fantasy Earth. Exactly. You had Dunbine. <laughs> what are you talking here? You got Dunbine, you got Escaflone. You got Galliant. You got Galliant, Lord, Ray you got, Earth. You got Lord of Elemental. And oh, all God. I was like, damn, son. <laughs> You're really digging now. Boy, Break them out, huh? That would be cool, man. Just to see all these different um, you know, all these different allegiances and you know, just throw some chaos into the mix that ends up having these uh these worlds end up uh colliding and characters well, getting mixed it be around. Better just to have like um like uh if you wanted to I could I could see that or maybe just do um uh something like a fantasy mecha show like uh Escaflone with uh that the Game of Thrones show that would be oh, kind of cool. You imagine they put that stuff in? That'd be help. That'd be helpful against some dragons when they get bigger, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that'd be damn sure. Well, just like Galleon, they better start digging for some mecha under, under in, in caves and underground because they're going to need them in a few years on Game of Thrones <laughs> to take on those dragons, man. Yeah, it's going to exactly. be a slaughter. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's just an idea that just came to mind. Um, any, anybody else have any thoughts? Uh. uh not really, but it, that's a good choice. Although I do have one, if uh, if you don't want me, if you go ahead, you I was going to put you next, anyways. Okay, thank you. Well, just thinking, uh, get, sticking with the fantasy theme, this is one I've had for a while, and that is uh, Escaflone crossover with G Gundam. Can you imagine having a uh, having a a Gundam style or even or something into that effect, just being a fantasy show overall? I mean. I, the whole concept of having a, having yeah. all that uh, hot blood combined oh, yeah. with the fantasy the fantasy element of magic swords and like real actual swords and that the Gundam is special only because it actually has a beam saver. So <laughs> that would so, make that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised even now because ever since G Gundam, we've had we haven't had anything that uh, that was outside of the real robots. To, sort of stuff for it with the Gundam series. So I think fantasy series is honestly something they should explore with the next Gundam series or something in the future. But that's my pick for, for the most part. I actually have one. I actually have one for soul bro. And mm-hmm. it fits on your, you, what you were racking your brain about top gear. Mm-hmm. This kind of came to me earlier and I should have said it earlier. What's that would be top gear 
with crossed over with Redline, the movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one big race, so it'd be perfect because you know they're always doing big races on um, uh, on, on uh, Top Gear. So it'd be funny to have uh, the Redline characters with uh, James May, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond. <laughs> I almost wish you wish they spoofed them in that movie. Just yeah, just pay I tribute. I'm surprised. They haven't. <laughs> That's freaking cool, man. That movie is awesome, by the way. If anybody hasn't seen Redline, you definitely need to go out and check that out. You need to buy it. You don't even need to. If you if you just go to Amazon and you see that it's there, you just buy it. Especially on you should only buy it on Blu-ray. To be honest with you, it's it's the it's the only way that uh, it, it it should be done. So. Um, but uh, Soul Bro, what would be uh, an, another one? Probably, probably, probably Lasties here. Oh man! Well, um, I I got a zany one. What if you put the Azumanga Dio girls as the night savers from Bubblegum Crisis? <laughs> Anything get done? What's that? And my question, my other question would be, would that cat's teeth make it through the uh, the? the <laughs> that cat would find a way <laughs> to bite that girl's hand. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of having Mackie Stingray as the being the assist, it would be that big dog. Mr. Whatever. Uh, Chio uh, Chan's freaking dog. Chio Chan's freaking dog. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I forget what his name was. Mr. Something. Yeah. I love Azumaga Dio, man. It's just any way to incorporate that into something <laughs> would be pretty cool. But, um, Dolo. Uh, okay. I think I got my last one here, which is, uh, and I think this one I had to ra- uh, again rack my brain. And what I have is, what if you combine Pat Labor with Da Hack? Ooh, that's a that's a series that I think the two, considering the two kind of share a production ancestry with one another. Considering a lot of people from da- uh, Pat Labor eventually would go on to work on so what would you Hack. Do? do you use so the, the labors in the Dot Hack so, game to play or? Yeah, how exactly. How the how it would or work is basically investigating the, investigating the issues in dot hack. They would be investigating. They basically be using the. It would basically be both ways that there are like commercial labors that actually you know, you, you people log in through the internet by uh, by way of their home, but at some point somebody would actually take over the the game and the labors and use them to actually lead a coup d'état to say the least. So everybody would have to. Tr- so the labor teams would actually have to go and find out what is the problem with uh, the the game at that point because that's all I think about at that point uh, with uh, Da Hack because there's always some trouble with the game uh, the game the world in Da Hack so and with all the pre-release per- uh, procedural stuff going on I think that would honestly work and it seems like a not so out there concept to, to do I mean if you had like it basically be surrogates only better oh shoot. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. Um, I, I got one. I got one. I got, okay. Well, I got, uh, before go that, go I, I go got. Go I got ahead. one. I got here, go and then we'll get the Soul Bros one. Awesome. All right. Go go thirteen. Oh shit. Oh crap. And machete. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that would not be awesome. <laughs> oh my god, they'd kill each other. <laughs> they would kill. They would rape, kill, and pillage. <laughs> <laughs> that that is, that that would tell me that would not be a great awesome crossover, man. That would be insane. If, especially oh, if they were, had to fight against each other, or they had to uh, one no, take band out together, the other. man, band oh, together. Man. You oh, gotta have to band together. It'd be awesome. And throw yeah. black dynamite in for good measure. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the sequel. 
just a team of fictional badasses teaming up to go take on some sh- t- t- take on some uh, some bigger some bigger assholes. But yeah, that's not a bad idea, man. Oh my god, I- I've got one last one, and it's a bit convoluted, but um, I would love to see some kind of uh, comic book crossover between uh, Batman and Metal Gear Solid. Like, say for instance, because in- oh god, in- no, well, not not so much the, the the main thrust of the story, but um, since Snake and Otacon they 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 run philanthropy, that uh that group that goes on and tries to track down. When Metal Gears are being made in order to prevent them from happening, you know, come up with some kind of bullshit storyline where they have to go to Gotham City to stop a project that's going on. And um, Snake, you know, a younger Snake, of course, runs into uh, uh, Batman on, on on the case, and uh, they they at first are, are enemies as as every fucking crossover starts out, and they have to they have to team up somewhere along the way in order to to to, to get the the, the, the what, save the what day. What about this? Why don't you just have it where? Uh, Metal Gear is being produced by Wayne Industries that is being, you know, maybe manipulated by some underlings in Wayne Industries and, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And throw in Let's Corp for good measure. Yes. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really cool, Um, you know, because there have been some really cool crossovers with Batman, and I've always wanted to see um, Solid Snake versus Batman is just one of those things I've always wanted to see happen because they, they both... They both come from uh, really unique origins, so it'd be nice to see that. But uh, well, believe me, me and my friend have gotten into huge what conversations what about you, that. Just better with uh, Iron Man Batman crossover, like who's richer and you know. <laughs> who's a bigger playboy? <laughs> who's more swag? Who's, who's a bigger playboy? Who's 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 more damaged goods? <laughs> uh, who's got more toys? Who's more swag out of the two? Who is? <laughs> I got to say, it'd probably be Tony. Uh, of course. I yeah, I, I would. I would have to throw it to Tony in that regard. Because yeah. for Tony, it's not an act. <laughs> no. that is that is how it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good time, Charlie. So, all right. Well, that's good. But um, I'm sure there's tons of other ones that we could have done, and I'm sure Chris will have a few too. But uh, uh, you know, I'm sure that's what the Mecha Talk forums are for. So uh, definitely check that out and. Um, We'll be, and thank you, Mr. Arbiter Gundam, for your submission. And uh, we're going to be back with our next segment. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Clear, Detective Freeman. When I f*** you over, you'll know it. You'll be so goddamn certain you won't need to ask the question. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is not that podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, Let's go again. You've got the eyes of a soldier. (laughs) 
Well, that takes a lot of guts, boy. Now I'm really impressed with you. Amaro, that your name? Yes, sir. If we should meet in battle, it'll be different. Good luck, Amaro. Uh, right. I see that Gundam Mobile Suit is back. Where exactly did it come from? What? How'd I miss? to predict. He's not trying to dodge me. I've only got one shot left, so I'll ditch the beam rifle. That pilot's making some excellent judgments. Tough man, but this is no Saku, boy. No Saku. So powerful. That's a pretty good job, Gundam. But you still haven't got me yet. kid from the restaurant. It's incredible. Well, times have changed, haven't they? Now they're training kids like you to be pilots. Take that! Very impressive. But remember, you couldn't have won this battle through your own strength. You owe it all to the mobile suit's abilities and nothing more. Huh. You're a sore loser. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? Gang to Gundam at MAHQ. And in this segment, this is the segment you guys have been waiting for. We, earlier in the week, we went and we posted that uh, we had a very special interview coming up with a voice actress. And uh, we asked you guys to post questions uh, for the interview as well. And uh, a lot of you guys did, so thank you very much for that. Well, finally, the time has come. We're sitting down with none other than Aaron Fitzgerald. What the? <laughs> <laughs> I just finished my trial of the Dragon DVD, and now I'm going to eat more meat. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Erin. And, uh, and, and if you guys don't recognize that, that's uh, her voice of Chie from um, Persona Four, uh, the animation, Persona Four, the arena, and Persona Four Golden, which are all out right now. Woo-hoo! Well, not quite. Animation oh. still has to take, uh, has, still has well, to go for the second. Yeah, oh, have... volume two. That's right. That's right. So we the first. Still have more to look forward to. Oh, indeed. Oh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Erin has been uh, voice acting for quite some time, and um, I, I, I was first introduced to her as uh, Koda- Kodachi, the, uh, the Black Rose Kuno in uh, Ramba Half. Dang, uh, nab it. That's a while ago. Back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also uh, played roles like uh, May Kanker and, and Nas in um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, which a lot of our <laughs> listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with. Uh, the animated oh, series. I remember that. So, I yeah. really love boys. Yes. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. She was also Sakobo and Alcade and Dahanchiyu, which is a series I grew up with. Absolutely, absolutely. I know Dalo is a huge. I don't have any quotes for that one. Uh, I know. I know. It's been a while. It's been years. It's been years. So I don't blame you for that. I'm I'm sure a lot of our uh, our listeners are League of Legends players, and you. Oh yes. I do have a quote for that. Oh. Two ninety nine a minute. I will leave you breathless. Is that Jana or Sona that does? I believe that's Jana. Sona barely talked. Oh wow! <laughs> I need to play that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. You need to play a lot of games, Solbro. Hey, nope. No. <laughs> but uh, that's that's awesome. Um, I know that uh, I'm a huge, uh, as I, I mentioned uh, before the interview, I'm a huge fighting game fan. But I never played this RPG called Cross Edge. But you did the voice of one of my favorite characters, Morgan Ainsley. Oh yeah, I can't, and I I would die if, the, if someone found out that you know that I did that and hired me for more Morgan in other projects. But I've only ever got to do her for that one project, and I loved it. Man, I wish I got you to play her in uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom Three. I played it. Right. Oh my gosh. Too. I, if anything, you would have killed it. It was that was <laughs> yeah. a good RPG cross edge. That's for sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree. Oh, you played it? Poorly, but yes. Oh. <laughs> I play all of them. Well, not all, but most of the games I can get my hands on that I'm mm-hmm. in, and I usually suck at them. But it doesn't stop me from trying. Catherine, I stopped playing because it scared the crap out of me. Oh, that did it? Chasing me uh, while I'm trying to figure out the puzzle. I just, with that tongue thing, I'm like, okay, that's, okay, that's too much. That I can't. Uh-uh. It's, so, it's, a pretty, yeah. it's a pretty out there game, that's for sure. Yeah, I like that, though. I like Atlas, for sure. Absolutely. They got wild visuals in that game, too. And uh, people play that game competitively now uh, with its puzzles. I didn't even know that until recently. That's crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> but uh, you also are in uh, Monster High. You uh, you play Abby, uh, Abby Bonomi. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be uh, Abominable, but uh, Abby... Abominable. Abby Abominable. Thank you. Spectre <laughs> Vondergeist, mm-hmm. Scara Screams, Rochelle Goyle, wow. and C.A. Cupid. So and Claire, but Claire's a human, so she'll never be a doll. She was in the last Halloween special, so I'm six characters on that show. But I can't do the voices for that because Mattel has made me sign something that I don't do those voices unless Mattel. I'm under Mattel supervision. Mm-hmm. I, I, if anything, <laughs> I know the the cast members of the uh, of the Simpsons are under the same kind of uh, uh, yeah. contract uh, or, or, or clause. So yeah, I completely understand there. Yeah. Is that a common? Is that a common thing? Uh, no. the, the bigger only certain, yeah. only certain projects like i did i know disney does it and mattel right. now following disney in that kind of example and then i only I, I i've never very few other places really enforce that so why, why do they do that just so people don't no, make money off of it or reason but i just think it's i don't know i don't understand it and i'm not a fan of it i kind of buck it a little mm-hmm. meaning um i don't go ahead and do the voices or anything because right. of course I don't want to be fired but I, I just don't understand it I don't understand how me doing the voice of a character that's really really popular hurts them 
mm-hmm. and yeah. doesn't promote them. So I don't know. I really don't get it. There's yeah. Really, yeah, I, I know that like IPs and stuff are very protected by the companies, but it, yeah, I always find things like that to be a little, a little outside the norm because you you feel it's kind of free publicity in a lot of ways. Yeah, would- they're not paying it for exactly, and you're giving the fans what they want. And if you, I mean, I don't understand, but it's all about legal. It's something to do with uh, legal, and I can't say that I understand legal. So <laughs> I don't think anybody know, can. I, well, yeah, like I'm just. I'm just, that's just red tape to me. So I'm just trying to play by the rules and yeah. let oh, fans know that I would love to do the voices for them, but I am forbidden to do so. Oh, well, it, I, I, I do have a question in regards to that. Since you do so many voices and not only that show, but um, other ones like Bleach and um, uh, uh, Sabrina the Animated Series and Wild Grinders, when you have to do a scene mm. where you have to play off yourself. Do you I do play that? off myself. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. In Wild Grinders, it's really fun because... Because um, when I'm talking like this for Stubford, it's really easy for me to go into Denise and be like, oh, my gosh, I totally love this guy. Robbie Bobby, why don't we have him hang over? Shut up. I don't want losers. They're just a bunch of losers. You know, I love doing that crap. That is outstanding. I, <laughs> well, that, le- well, that leads into a question I got for you is uh, given the fact that you've done so many different voices with various different tempos, how do you keep your voice from ever blowing out on you or how do you keep it in shape to say <laughs> the least? Vocal warm-ups. A lot of vocal – I learned – I took theater training, a lot of theater training. Um, I, you know, I got a degree in acting for theater when I went to university. So oh. in university when I studied acting for four years at the University of Victoria for that program at that time you you auditioned to get into first year um so 70 of us got into first year and by the time we made it to fourth and every year they cut people so they would cut people every year and there was only like seven or eight of us by fourth year university to, that finished the acting program itself um so that was an intense experience so we, we they were no joke like at that time we got intense physical acrobatic training vocal training mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff and i believe that i didn't know i was going to end up in voiceover i didn't know voiceover was a job really i knew that i was going to be an actor i didn't understand how my particular talents fit in because being this kind of cartoony wacky character person it didn't really fit in theater so i never booked like leading roles because i'm not a leading i'm not a laura bailey type i'm not that kind of a girl Mm -hmm. i'm definitely the wacky you know weirdo sister kind of a girl so I didn't really understand how that was going to work. And then television and film didn't feel like it used any of my skills because I, it, I'm not, I'm just not that kind of an actor at all. I don't like being straight and being don't move and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's as boring. It bored the hell out of me, those, those particular jobs. But, but when I found voiceover, all of the training that I did for theater, I use every day. I use all of it. I do my vocal warm-ups. For 20 years, I've been, you know, not 20 years, 15, 15 years, I've been using that same vocal warm-up since university. And um, singing classes are always good if, for somebody who's interested in getting into voiceover. Definitely want, because you really want to be able to use your your vocal cords well, not really your vocal cords, really use your entire body. Because once you put your voice in your body, there's less stress in your vocal cords. So most of my voices don't really come from my vocal cords. If I'm doing my voice for my vocal cords, I haven't done my vocal warm up. 
Okay. I haven't really warmed up my whole body yet, and it, then, it, then it affects the sound of my voice. And there are days like if, if my allergies are strong, no matter how much I, I do my vocal warm up, it'll affect my voice too. And that's why sometimes on certain days of recording, you know, certain characters' voices might sound like you won't even know except for like, how come in this part of the game she sounds a little different? That's uh, probably because I had allergies or something that oh. when I was recording, you know. And I, it was hard, it's hard for me to recapture that sound. Like uh, if I'm going to do a voice like Parasol like from mm-hmm. Spellgirls, I love to record her first thing in the morning. My voice is deepest first thing in the morning. <laughs> that's regrets well, roll out. You know, like that's that's the perfect period in the afternoon. Then I'm like uh, from little kid all the way up. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting because I, I was just kind of uh, have a quick question of you you mentioned that it's hard to stay consistent does that mean that with the you know i i don't know too much about the voice acting industry i'll be the first one to admit but i i have heard that some of it can be a little grueling is that um does does that, that make a difference or do you do you have to find yourself kind of pacing yourself it's, it it depends that. on how many jobs you have a week. Like okay. everything, I mean, this job, this job is the most inconsistent job you could possibly have. You don't know oh, if you're oh. working from week to week. And if you do, if you end up working all week, you don't really know exactly what you're working on because you don't get scripts beforehand. So okay. there's no preparation. You, there's all, you have to be a very flexible individual and seeing as going like last year, I was working so much that every day it was it was a different job pretty much I was a really blessed year last year so every day was a different job that but sometimes I couldn't remember the character from the week before because I'd done so many jobs in between jobs mm-hmm. okay so what happens is they have what's called a voke voc- a voice reference so they play you what you did the previous week and you just match it so that means oh. you have to have a very good ear you have to have a good ear, like a musical ear, where you can pick up tones, pitches, and sound. And for me, I have to pick up accent and, and all the other different things because I get used a lot for that type of stuff. So I have to be able to match exactly what I did previously. And, so, and that, oh, I'm, so, oh, go and ahead. That, I'm sorry. That, that's an easy enough job except for like when I'm working on Monster High and I'm doing six characters, which mm. uses – like those six characters use my – full vocal range so I have to make sure that I stay in the pocket sound wise for each voice so I I I for like because Rochelle and Abby are close they're 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 in the lower area and I have to make sure that Rochelle stays just above Abby pitch wise and she has a, a French accent while Abby is more Russian and she's a little bit deeper that I can't go to, and Rochelle is softer and more gentler girl, and Abby's a little bit more cold and icy. But mm-hmm. so I have to really that that's the challenge for me is keeping those, um, staying in those pockets so that I don't dip into the Abby area while I'm doing Rochelle, and that's what I depend on a, on a director for. The directors are the ones that go, no, you're dipping into Abby. You know, you better watch it. Read, let's redo that. You're sounding a little bit too much. You know, because when you're doing it and you're acting the lines, you're if you're too busy listening to yourself, then mm-hmm. you're not acting, right? You're too busy listening yeah. to where you are in your sound, yeah. And that doesn't make for good delivery. So I, I have to depend on a director to check me on that, so that I can give the best acting delivery I can within a certain boundary of sound, particularly for Mount Monster High, because I I do do so many characters, and then and then he lets me know if I've nailed it or not. Oh, okay, uh, that's that's pretty interesting. That's I pretty uh, cool. I didn't I didn't realize there was so much 
that that went into that and um yeah okay well what's amazing people like yuri lowenthal oh yeah and play four characters that four of his characters were in a scene together wow they were all talking off of each other and he flipped back and forth did the whole scene back and forth with all four characters and they were all very close like they're all the same age range those characters (laughs) spectacular to witness somebody who is so good at their job. I mean, these are the people that inspire me. And I watch how he does it. And I'm watching how he stays in, in the pocket, uh, uh, which is ridiculously hard, of exactly each character while he's playing off of himself for an entire scene. And, and you don't even have a clue. Like, I know the audience is never going to know he did that. Mm-hmm. And never going to know the, the genius that went into creating those sound bites because, you know, some jobs you go in and all you record is your own lines and you don't have to act off of yourself. It's one line at a time and they, they do all of it in editing. But I can hear the difference when I'm watching a show. I know when the actors were in the room recording together or reading off of themselves and when they were being edited together because I can tell the difference. And that was an amazing – I see that all the time. Cam Clark does that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Lowenthal, you know, um, Cindy Robinson, uh, Kate Higgins. Amazing, amazing. Oh, yeah. So, um, so you're saying that, um, that usually there, there's times where a voice actor is just going to be – if they're interacting with somebody else, they wouldn't necessarily be in the same room at the same time going back and forth that they're just going to be. It depends. Know. It depends on, really? like, for example, um, um, it depends on budget. Some okay. companies are very cheap. <laughs> and because they're cheap, they want to, the illusion in their head is they think that if we go in by ourselves, that we'll be out faster. Just if we go in, record our lines and we leave. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, I don't believe that that's the case in the long run. What happens is, um, because the the acting is stiffer because it's not natural. You're not hearing the other person leading you in, mm-hmm. and you don't feel the scene because you're not feeling the scene. You end up doing more takes. That leads me to a question. Then, um, how often do you find it when you do traditional uh, when you do voice work for traditional animation that you find yourself working with a with an ensemble as opposed to doing your recording uh, your lines separately? Ninety percent of the time for prelay animation for original animation, ninety percent of the time you get to be in the room with all the actors, and that's why prelay animation is such a good animation. Mm-hmm. But recently. Um, companies have been trying to save a buck because of the uh, economy and they've, they've just gone on the cheap too much in my opinion, uh, just my opinion and it's hurt the um, the flavor of the animation because they'll, they'll start out with all of the actors I almost did a Canadian out there, I was right on the cusp I was right on the cusp, I felt it I was like, oh, 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 which one am I going to pick? A boot? <laughs> yeah Okay, it's because I was in Canada last week Oh, uh, so Shout yeah, out to all our Canadian listeners out there. I know woo, we there. Eh? Yeah, it was brilliant. I was in Ottawa. It was perfect. So, so then the, in, well, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Well, in that case. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah, when the companies, when they cheap out and they stop bringing us right. in together and mm-hmm. then we get one line at a time, um, yeah, you really feel it. You really feel the difference. And, and they only do that only do that because if they don't have a budget they they're afraid of that it's going to go over too long and they're going to actually have to pay us um you know what they should be paying us regardless they're just really <laughs> trying to be cheap uh, you're certainly not alone i, I hear other voice act- actors and actresses make the same 
remark about I it. I think and- though when the economy gets better, things will improve because I don't want to. I, I don't want to assume that companies are just out to to be that right. cheap. I do know that we are in a very tight economy right now, and everybody's got to pitch in to help save a buck. I do get that. So I have a part of me is like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it right now. I'm not going to fight or argue with this right at this period of time. But I hope that when the economy improves, that these companies, you know, begin to to behave more appropriately. Yeah, because you're looking at the quality aspect of... Exactly. Because I'm saving you a fortune getting my lines done in the time that I get them done because I'm a professional... And you hire somebody who's we, – we call them green, somebody who's brand new. <laughs> and they come in and they're going to take twice as much time because that's just par for the course based on experience. Mm-hmm. But right. they end up getting paid more because they ended up staying in the studio three or four times longer. That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, then that leads to a question I have, which uh, – and I've heard this a lot from various voice actors, especially those who work in the anime industry uh, in dubbing. Is it true that some, depending on the, your agent, they'll actually encourage you to stop doing like voice acting for particular projects like – for example, anime projects because they pay so little at some times? Well, yeah. I have to say um, – for your favorite anime voice actors, if they're still recording anime, you need to give them serious props and support because they are doing it because, A, they love doing anime because mm-hmm. they're fans, but mostly they're doing it for the fans. Okay. They're doing it because they're the, the money is not good. The money's quite bad. Oh, wow. And that's not anybody's fault. I mean, our our union negotiated that rate. Our union was the dumb union that said this is going to be the rate because they didn't – the union didn't check with the voice actors as to how hard the job is, Mm -hmm. what the job is worth. As far as I'm concerned, it should be paid more than prelay because it is such a hard job and not everybody can do it. And – it's just I don't think it's honored enough. But the actors that do do it, you know, they are fighting. Their agents don't want them to be doing those because the agent's not making any money off of them doing anime, like right. nothing, not even a cup of coffee. And, yeah, and most of the time when they talk and when they when they know they do it, they try to hush it up because uh, they generally see it as not necessarily a worthwhile endeavor. To say the well, least. there is definitely there used to be. I think it's shifting. There used to be a stigma about being an anime actor mm-hmm. because they the acting they you know it has a, a certain style to it and um and pre in the prelay world it would be oh you're she's an anime actor she can't do prelay she can't Ooh. do that you know prelay style acting it's different styles right there are they are definitely different styles of acting mm-hmm. and just like like the big difference did anybody see the spawn series on hbo yeah. like that was a totally different style of animation acting than had ever been done before like mm-hmm. they took it to a whole other level it was very film style it was very um low-key totally different from cartoon cartoon acting cartoon cartoon acting is totally different from anime acting mm-hmm. so video game acting totally different from all of them because it's pretty much life and death for the entire time <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> So you do have to – and each animation company has their own styles. But now that we've gotten so much animation out in the world, I feel that we're we're becoming more um, attuned to that there are different styles and that there's room for different styles. Whereas before it really was like uh, 
regular American acting for cartoons or anime acting. And that really had a bad stigma for a really long time. And it's the fans that changed that. It's the fans watching the dubs and giving those actors the props that they deserve because that is a hard, hard job. You know, that's all due to the fans. So when people say fans can't do anything, I, I think that's not true at all. I think the fans have the real power. Well, I have a question in regards to that, actually. Um, I know years ago, a lot of anime... Actually, so, bro, before you ask her the question, once again, I'm a novice at all this. Could you just tell me, um, Aaron, what is... Uh, prelay. I, I've heard you mention that a couple oh, times. Prelay. I don't. I don't understand the oh, jargon, so I'm just trying to. <laughs> yeah. And honey, no, that's very good. Prelay is when for an anime television series, okay. or a, uh, or a, even a web series, what they do is they record the voices. You record the script before it's been animated. Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. that like they may have drawn it out co- in a comic book format which is called storyboarding right. and you might see the storyboard like with Ed Ed and Eddie Danny Antonucci's team was uh, just an amazing team of people and they would have the most stunning storyboards that Man. we would go through before we even recorded the episode so we would see what the episode would look like but they, they didn't animate anything until after the voices were okay. recorded so that's prelay it's laying down the voices before the animation prelay and and with video games they're working on the animation but they don't finish the animation until after the voices are done as well like all they have everything kind of in place but they don't do the the i mean the the amount of humans that are involved with making a video game is mind-blowing and i can't believe people complain about the price of games if they saw the amount of humans that are required to make a game <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I've, I, I've actually been in a studio before and I, i've seen the amount of people that are there and yeah, exactly. it, it, it is It is very, very amazing when people... Uh, and it's the same with that. anime as far as I'm concerned. I'm yes. so so disheartening that, again, the, the, the dubbing, because that has already been animated. That's why it's, dub, it's dubbing. It's already been finished and animated, and we're going in, and we're matching the movement of the mouth that's already been animated Ooh. for Japanese speaking, mm-hmm. and we're matching English into mouth flaps is what it's called that mm. speaking Japanese. How hard so is that? <laughs> it's really hard. That's why anime has a sound. That's why we, we always end up with a huh? What? Because <laughs> almost everything in Japanese ends on a vowel. Yeah. And yeah. we have to open our mouths to do we have to, so the the people who do like like Sam Regal and Christy Reed who do amazing Patrick Seitz who do amazing um uh, the the script writing for the English versions of anime. I mean, these people that that's got to be the hardest job on the planet. They have to write it in English in a way that's going to match the mouths of the animation, and then hope that the actor delivers the performance they were thinking of when they wrote it. Wow. You know what I mean? Like that's just insane. And then we record it. And it's a really hard to match. And you have to have a certain pacing in order to get it out. So that's the anime style that's kind of – the reason that it sounds the way it does is it kind of was forced into that pocket just because of that, just right, because right. of that mouth flap thing. Although we're getting more and more with the way digital animation is, it, things are getting looser um, and people are accepting dubs that aren't so perfectly matched in some cl- – I've gone into some jobs where like don't worry about the match, just – 
We want you to act it as real as possible. Don't worry about the match. Because when you're worried about the match, it's really hard to give an authentic read. Yeah. You know, it, it can't, it can catch you up. It it can, you can sound like you're, I'm just phoning it in now. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to like, I'm just phoning it in now. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even in that either. So I'm going to throw that one away. Does yeah, that, <laughs> all right. So yeah, it does. Uh, go ahead. So I was just going to say, does anybody have any uh, other particular questions uh, before we move on to the uh, the listener submitted questions? Well, definitely, I, I have a few myself. Um, I, I I just wanted to go back for a second. Um, you had mentioned that um, uh, because anime voice dubbing isn't all that well respected. Um, there was a lo- I know uh, back in the day when uh, the anime industry was first starting, a lot of it was non union work. So it was you know you a lot of actors couldn't even do it uh, without taking a fake name or whatnot. But now I- nowadays. A lot of dubbing is is is, it's is both. in your work. It's and both. It's, it's still it's heavily both. So, so, some stuff is non-union. Some stuff is union. So I, that was that was my question: is uh, how much of the work is uh, is non-union and, and and union? But it looks like it's split down the middle at this point. I would say it's split down the middle. Yeah. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty amazing. I, I wanted to, to, to take the irony the- is that the non-union pays better than the union. Oh, wow. Mm, really? <laughs> yeah. The union is a low rate. The non-union is a much healthier rate. That's amazing. Wait, when's collective bargaining up? <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's a countdown for that date, huh? <laughs> oh, but take- I found that out. That was like a, a shock to slap to the face. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's this wild. is absurd. <laughs> I find that kind of crazy. If anything, I figured at yeah. least what union work would uh, would pay more, it's, if only because you're buying by a certain you, amount of rules. Yeah, uh, you would. I would I, think absolutely. I, I I thought it would be the opposite myself as well. But uh, taking you back to the beginning, what inspired you to get into acting? I've been acting since I was born. I didn't really think of I didn't even think of it as acting. It just I came out a little cartoon performer. Like at three years old, I had memorized the entire Wizard of Oz and went over to the little old lady next door and forced her to watch me act out every single character and the whole movie. Oh wow! She was she was nine in her nineties and she enjoyed it. Thank God. I really <laughs> that, that's divine. That's divine right action there. That I was born next to a woman who needed entertainment. That was perfect. That's amazing. And I can still do all the voices to the Wizard of Oz because I started at three. <laughs> I mean, I did stuff like that. Like I knew Peter Pan. I would every anything that I fell in love with watching it, I would recreate it. And it's not that I I thought about. I didn't think about being an actor. I had no other way of expressing my love and joy for this thing that I was experiencing other than recreating it with my whole person. Some people draw, some people sing, some people have, you know, how do you express yourself probably really was telling when you were really young and before the age of six, you could probably see how you really expressed your joy and your happiness. And that's how I did it. And I did it for the rest of my life. All right, Man. that's that's quite amazing there. Okay, <laughs> well, in that case, I just have two questions. One of them is on our uh, list of questions here. Out of all the characters you've played, are there any that stand out to you as your favorites? <laughs> Speaking of the Wizard of Oz, I've kind of <laughs> I've had a, an, a I had a, 
The Wicked Witch of the West has been my favorite character since I was three, and I've been playing her over and over again. I get cast as her. I get yeah, World Warcraft Burning's Crusades when the the, the theater section of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a woman called the Crone, but really it's the Wicked Witch of the West, and I did the Wicked Witch of the West voice. And <laughs> I've done it for theater plays. I've done it for everything. So that's one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, which why, is, why is that? Just because of the. I don't know. I love her. You can use with it. Just the. I loved her. Yeah. <laughs> loved her. Loved her. And when I watched Snow White for the first time, um, when I left, when we got to the near the end of the movie, you know, when um, the dwarves are trying to push the evil queen who is now a witch off the cliff, mm-hmm. I freaked out so much that the dwarves were trying to kill her. I was oh. screaming and crying about the witch dying that my mom had to physically remove me from the theater. Oh, man. So I have a bond to Wicked Witches. I love me some Wicked Witches. <laughs> <laughs> you must love the the, the play uh, Wicked as well. Um, not uh, so much, but I really oh, love it. <laughs> ouch. I really love that book. Oh, man. Nice, nice. Okay, then my final question is, uh, are there any particular characters that you and this is going to come out as a real as a real shock to some people and not so much to others but there are there any characters that that you ship in terms of relationships to with in some series uh with each other like persona 4 or oh so oh you do so care to do you know how hard hard it was i don't know how much i can I don't know if this is a spoiler so i'm just gonna say potential spoiler alert for Mm -hmm. persona 4 golden Maybe. And I don't know how much people know, but you because you have, of course, you have the option in Persona 4 Golden as the player to go into a relationship with Chie, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, so that's not really a spoiler. So um, but when I had to do that whole storyline of Chie, you know, in love with the player, it Mm -hmm. broke my heart because in my heart, Chie is in love with someone else. Oh, who would that be? Should I reveal it? Oh man, I have an idea who it is actually, but go. Well, um, I would like to know what you who you think it is. I Yosuke. would say I, I think it's Akihiko, um, because of the the interactions they have in Arena. But that 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 might be out the ballpark. <laughs> Excellent guess, but no. Oh. <laughs> what, what? Who else? I don't uh, know. Yosuke. <laughs> Hell to the no on the Yosuke. So that that would leave that would leave uh, Kanji then. No. Oh. No, uh, not Kanji. Uh, no. Uh, okay, I give up. I give up. Yukiko. Yukiko? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh. I oh. felt the whole time that Chie just loves this girl. Just yeah. loves her. Now, I, I'm, of course, I'm not Atlas and I'm not writing it. But the way it was written and the way I would do those scenes with Yukiko, I just felt naturally. I felt like I was in love with her. I was just and and the, and the saving her and the whole all of that stuff. Like I just felt there was a, a tremendous and not that it would be she didn't you know her her concern because she doesn't care about you know Yosuke is just a pain in her ass. But if Yukiko <laughs> had to go work at the inn, Chie was like genuinely really concerned for Yukiko. Oh, you oh you have to work or you're going to be tired. Like she really that that to me was just true love. <laughs> now um, did you say that? It makes sense. <laughs> but I could be crazy, you no, know. I'm just I, I don't think that's honestly in the shipper community, I don't think that's uh I don't think that's a stretch honestly. It's also joked about in the series. So um if, if anything it's a it's definite it's a definite possibility and yeah. it, it, I I could see that happening. So um 
Yeah, those those two having a relationship is uh, is would be an interesting way to go, and I say I'm all for it. <laughs> and they're and they're also, but to me, they're young girls, you know. So it doesn't. It, it's for me, it's not a sexual relationship. It's right. it's and if it, and it's... until they got old enough to do so. <laughs> well, I think we'll leave the he'll leave that to ship to the fan fiction that's out. Yeah, let that be. You know, I know about that rule. What is that rule? Thirty six. Rule thirty four. Yeah, I, I think I think they've already gotten way to it before way ahead of us. Okay. <laughs> well, I, well so I think in that case, and I, I really really wanted May Canker to get with Ed. I really, I, she loved him so much. And when they did the um, the Valentine special yeah. where she was in love with Double D, I saw that. Yeah. That was intense. I was like, you know what? Okay, this could work. And I had never thought of her with Double D before that special. But after that special, I'm like, that could be a sweet relationship too. Yeah, so. <laughs> The Cankers and uh, and and the Eds, they're, they're like the, the the Hatfields and the McCoys. Yeah, <laughs> I was really really annoyed that Danny made Naz, you know, so infatuated with Kevin because I didn't feel that Naz w- Naz to me was too cool for that. Yeah. Like Kevin was yeah. a cool dude, and I could see Naz wanting to hang with Kevin, but I could never see her wanting, you know, like where she was crushing on him like that. And I was disappointed that they went there. Yeah. I was also disappointed that they made her a cheerleader. I always thought she was going to end up a skateboarder. Me too. Yeah, that's what I thought too. They her so girly after like the first couple <laughs> seats. What the heck? But I yeah. suppose that's what happens. I guess that's how those girls are created. Yeah, she's like a chibi Avril Lavigne. She's just so punk. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go, man. She's, she's too cool. Like clothes, Eddie. It's customer appreciation day at the candy store, and they're giving away jawbreakers for free. <laughs> jawbreakers were practically currency in that world. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, in any case, uh, considering that uh, we, uh, we've gone through most of the questions we have for ourselves, I don't mm-hmm. know if anybody else has anything else, actually, do they? I actually, have, I actually have a few. I, I know, uh, Aaron, you had mentioned that, um, you know, with the, the economy affecting, you know, some of the things that have been going on. Yeah. What, do you, what, what is the future of the voice acting industry? Like I said, I, you start to, you're starting to see a lot of, like, your big movie stars and stuff going into that more. Is, is that something that... Well, the, that you really kind of fear or because I, I had did a panel on that in Ottawa on the future of games and anime yeah. um, because I really feel like there's a major shift. We're in the middle of a major shift somehow. Okay. I'm not sure what the shift is exactly, of course, because I'm not uh, clairvoyant. I can't see the future. Right. But I do feel like there's going to be a lot more. Uh, everything's going to go. This is just my feeling, my intuition, is that everything is becoming so much more multimedia. Like I'm on a lot of series that air, you know, webisodes, and that those webisodes are more popular than actual series on television. Oh yeah. And that is a fascinating shift for me, and I really like that. And even with games and how gaming systems are shifting, I, I don't think. I think that there's just going to be more of what we're doing. I think there's going to be more projects to be voiced. I think there's going to be more accessibility for voice actors. I feel like people will be making their own content remotely around the, like animators are going to pair up with voice artists that are local for them and that will be able to see even more stuff. I hope it's more like that. I I think that would be pretty spectacular. You know, I have, I have no hard feelings to anybody working and doing what they love to do. 
Yeah, that's that's something that I've noticed, and I I see I, I'm seeing it myself. I'm kind of a person that looks always looking to what's going to happen and trends and stuff, and I see more of a decentralization when it comes to media and things like that because things are like you said just changing. I mean, we have entertainment on demand, and you know, even with uh, the gaming community with uh, apps, you know, games that are apps exactly. and stuff, it's it's changing a lot of different things, and um, it's it's just. Um, that's, that's a very interesting thing because, like I said, we've seen a lot of these, uh, you know, well-known actors, like movie star actors and stuff like that, starting to go into this. And I'll be honest, some of them are hit and miss. Um, and uh, you know, and, and well, that's from- a, I, I really believe that comes with if they have theater training or not. If yeah. somebody's got theater training, it translates to voiceover. Meaning, like, even if you're a comedian and do stand-up comedy, usually you can translate to voiceover because you're a little bit l- yeah. bigger than life. Regular, straight-up, just film acting actors bomb they they can't translate unless it's a show like spawn which they don't have a lot of animated series like that so you've got to be either from the comedy world or the theater world to be able to do voiceover properly in my opinion but i you know that's just my opinion based on my experience so don't worry if you're not and you still want to be a voice actor you don't have to listen to me i'm just one broad with an opinion (laughs) so so it's it's good it's good to be uh uh, uber creative uh, with like uh, theater or just an angry comic then you'll be I do I, I say stick to the theater and yeah. and to singing and if you're not into uh, you know doing stage theater but singing and and you know I, I mean I, I know there are some uh, actors I work with that don't have a lot of theater or acting training from that area but they have opera training yes. you oh, know wow. they're spectacular voice actors because they have this opera training oh that's performing Performing, I guess, is basically the big element there for for, for leading in. Because I mean, the bottom line is, the 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 best of the best do rise to the top. You know, people who are very good at their job because they save the, the client money, they're able to do uh, a large range of voices. These are things that end up saving clients money. You know, eventually we all end up working in, in the same kind of groups. We may not like. I don't. I don't work with Tara Strong. I've never been in a booth with Greg Delisle. They they work in a in a separate in a separate group than but I get to work with Cindy Robinson and mm-hmm. Kate Higgins. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. The, the people I work with are just as spectacular. It's just a different group in the same city. But even just to get to this particular area, it, it's a fascinating universe. Like we all know each other. We all right. talk to each other, but we don't all work together. And the the, the talent in Vancouver. Also, A-list, spectacular talent like Michael and Brian Dobson, you know, really amazing human beings. And there's talent also in Texas that I don't know. I don't know the Texas talent at all because I didn't live in Texas, but I did live in Vancouver. So I know them. So it's, again, the, the no matter where you are on the planet, you tend to want to gravitate and end up in the cities where the where you right. can be inspired by the best. That I go to work and I am gobsmacked watching the people that I work with. You know, I could I don't think I could do that remotely. I wouldn't be a better actor if I didn't get to be around actors who were better than me. Then when I look at actors who who can do things that I have never even imagined doing, then it forces me to pull up my socks and get better and practice and put in more hours and 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 look at my auditions even more differently. I I 
I like that ensemble feeling. And that's what voiceover has, which is different from television and film, is that it has a theater feeling. We all feel like we're working together because right. it's not just us. There's a team of animators that bring whatever we're doing to life. To That's the visual. We're the sound. The animators are the light and we are the sound. And we can't have existence without both. It's a beautiful balance. And and. The, and television and film don't have that. You don't have to be a part of the team for television and film in order to do your job. You can just come in, do your job and leave. Whereas we really do work together as a community. And I like being in the community. So I do, I don't think that's going to change in the future of animation and, and video games and stuff because I think that that aspect of it is just, you know, just the reason why people go to New York to do Broadway right. and musical theater, that, that just isn't going to shift. Right. It's interesting that you say that. I would, this is maybe one of my last questions before we go to some of the ones that we had some of our listeners submit. Mm-hmm. Um, but have you ever, and you don't have to name anything in particular, the person <laughs> or anything like that, but have you ever just sat there and maybe you auditioned for something or maybe you just it, it, it didn't come about or whatever and you heard the final product and you're like, man, I could have done that better? <laughs> you ever get that and you're just like, hmm. um, I can't say I've ever thought I could have done it better. I, 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 there's something I auditioned for recently and this is the first audition in a, in a long time that I'm very attached to the results. Okay. And, um, so I, I, no matter who gets it and I know it's going to be a good friend of mine, <laughs> if, if I get it, it's going to be someone I know and love. I, I'm going to have to accept that, that swallow. And yeah, it has happened to me before where I was promised a job. I, right. I did the, I did the, the, the scratch track for the job. Everything was pointing that I was going to do the job and it was a big, you know, a lead character or something like that. And then the last minute, um, somebody makes a decision and recast me with somebody else. And I didn't understand why, because the person who they recast me with did practically the same thing I would have done. Right. You know what I mean? Like we're, we are so similar. Like most of us could probably do similar voices and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand after all of that promise, why to recast last minute. I really didn't get that at all. Um, and it does hurt the ego for about a minute. Yeah. But ultimately, I I have never had a job that I wasn't exactly that person for that character. And and the way I I the reason I mean what I'm saying, I that doesn't even English talk words somewhere. <laughs> um, there's something about when a fan comes to me years later and says this character really spoke to me and and it did something for me that I needed exactly at that moment. That lets me know that even if I'm disgruntled with the part that I end up getting. Right. That there's a purpose for it. Mm. There's a purpose for it. And it, I may never know what that purpose is, but someone listening to it, watching it, or playing it is going to get something from that character because there's a reason that I voiced that character because it had to be me, not somebody right. else. So I, I, I don't really get um, hung up on that as I might have if, if I had done this career when I was much younger. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good way. I mean, it, and it sounds like uh, in such in, in a business where you know things can change out of the blue, especially and when you they think you're do. Getting, 
it, it, it helps out because it keeps you going. And yeah, you know, I, mean, I got hired on an anime that I was excited to be on this new anime series, and two jaw two days in, they just stopped calling me and they replaced me, but they didn't tell me. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. You know, like that's just how the business goes. You can be replaced in an instant. I replaced uh, the, Tracy on, uh, on P4 and then shortly, you know, a few months later, I got replaced on a show. And I don't know what the decision making was. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I know in that case, it wasn't me walking away from the job or anything. So it was somebody's decision in terms of the sound and the interpretation of the character that they were like, no, not we don't want to go in this direction. And, and the I same thing happened to your to your friend Kay Higgins, who got replaced uh, on Fate Stay Night when she got replaced as Saber. Too that, yeah. that that broke my heart when I heard that. It happens, you know. It just happens. It, it, you can't you can't get too attached to it. Yeah. So don't get mad at the voice actors yeah. actors when they get changed. You get mad at the management. Don't not the voice actors. Yeah, get that's mad right. At the management because the voice actors are doing the best that they can do, and it and honestly, it is harder being the second person coming in. It is. Well, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I I can only imagine. So yeah. given the uh, given the fact that we uh, we still have some time here, why don't we go through some of the questions that the Gundam Nation has submitted to us on <laughs> Megatalk.net. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, does anybody want to take the first one, or I'll, I'll take the first one. Um, these are some really great questions submitted by one of our uh, listeners, the loser villain, and um, he writes, "I'm an actor who is currently trying to figure out what direction to go, and I was curious as to what lead, what sorry, what led you to voice acting." Oh, great question, Greg. Oh, I yeah. do. I have. Um, hello. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, okay. um, I, on my website, um, AaronFitzVO.com, I did write an entire blog on becoming a voice actor, and I get really deep into that my story on that blog because um, I don't want to take up too much time. Um, but the bottom line is for me, like I said, I studied theater. I ended up in television and film, and by doing television and film, living in a television film city, uh, eventually somebody who knew me knew my vocal range because I do accents all the time. I can go in and out of voices all the time. They're like, hey, we need somebody who can do voices for um, back looping for television and film. So I'm like, oh, I can do that. So I went in on a looping job. That The first day I was surrounded by um, animation actors. I didn't realize that cartoon acting was a job. It really never occurred to me that there was a job called voiceover. I really hadn't put two and two together. I watched cartoons obsessively as a child. Didn't think of them as actors. Felt that they were real like Santa Claus. Oh. So, <laughs> and Michael Dobson, who was with me, we were doing um, – uh, we, were, we were doing the the straight – the the romantic scene noises for uh, an Outer Limits episode and I was doing the lead actor okay. the weirdest thing that's how I met Michael Dobson and he turned to me and he said why aren't you doing cartoon voices I said what do you mean cartoon voices and then he kind of you know he, he shook me a little bit and was like you should be doing what I do and I and I did and that's how I got into voiceover acting. But it, when you really look at my makeup, um, I was meant to do cartoon voices. Like there's a voiceover is a huge industry. You could be yeah. doing commercials. You can be doing narration promos. I don't book those jobs. I do audition for them all the time. I mm -hmm. never okay. get booked on those jobs because my strength, where it, where my my ability lies, is to create 
a ridiculous amount of characters. I am a character actor. I wouldn't even call myself a voice actor I first. I call myself a character actor first. I have the ability to do over a thousand different characters. Yeah, there's a, in the in the in the acting industry. I've always heard the 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 phrase the two phrases. There are two types of vo- uh, actors out there: personality actors and character actors. So you lump yourself as a character actor, I, I guess. Definitely. So. I think I think that's a stronger way to approach it, but um, that that's that's pretty cool. And um, I, I also the loser villain he he also wanted to ask um, are there any helpful tips to keep a positive mindset while pursuing acting as a career? Um, I, check in with yourself on the daily mm-hmm. and ask yourself, do I still love it? Do I still love this? Oh, okay. is it, yeah. If the answer is yes, then that that alone should keep you going. I think that's still do it. If you find that you're not loving it anymore, then it's time to move on. That's very good affirmation right there. I think that that works for any job, actually, (laughs) outside (laughs) of even outside of even thing. That's like asking what would love do? What would love do in this situation? Would love have me quit this job because that would be the most loving thing for me? Or would love have me uh, keep going because this is where all of my passion and my heart is invested? I guess the other one is don't take, like you said earlier, don't take anything personally when you get changed. Yeah. <laughs> May not be because of your. Bad We're all person. replaceable. Exactly. Yeah. End of the day. So in any case, it's not an insult. That's just real. Yeah, that, that is right. absolutely right. As a person who's been laid off several times, I could tell you. And it actually <laughs> takes the stress off. If you're replaceable, it means you don't have to carry the whole world on your shoulders. That is true. It's almost freeing sometimes. It I, is. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I can definitely speak, speak from personal experience. But um, I, I guess our next question is from uh, Hunter Slasher 13. Shout out to you, Hunter. Oh, yeah. And uh, he writes, have there been any funny incidents that occurred during the course of your career? Funny. Oh, there oh. Okay, I, I honestly I don't think anything's oh it's so hard. Okay, all right, all right, I'm gonna pick the most one. recent one. Why, why, why no, we... I'm not going most recent. I'm going way back because there was okay. nothing more funny to me than sitting in the uh, recording sessions for Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I sat across from Peter Kalamis who plays Rolf, oh. and C- Kathleen um, Kathleen Barr would stand next to me, and she plays Marie and um, Kevin, and then next to. Kathleen, we'd be in a giant horseshoe. Me and Rolf were on opposite ends at the very ends of the horseshoe facing the glass. And so next to me was Kathleen. Next to Kathleen was Janice. Next to Janice was Keenan. Next to Keenan was um, David Paul Grover. We called him Buck at that time. Next to Buck was Peter. The three Eds would record after us because they had a lot more dialogue. And I would always, just watching Buck and Peter, I would be bawling like the Peter doing that Rolf voice and just going off was so insanely funny. So insanely funny. It was ridiculous. And, and Kathleen would break into song and do these ridiculous song parodies. And it was so funny. It was just it was <laughs> hilarious. I'd be crying. It was so entertaining. I just love, and there are days like getting to be in the room with someone like Doug Airholtz and David Lodge, like those two are insane. They're brilliantly funny. And I, I wish I could tell you half the things, but it, I, they, they should never be repeated. Oh. <laughs> they should this- never be repeated. But yes, a lot of incredibly funny things happen in the booth. <laughs> a lot. It's very wrong and very funny. Oh my gosh. It's the chemistry that comes from just putting all of you, all, all the actors together in oh, one room. I- I get to think about it. Mm-hmm. For Wild Grinders, I am in the room. 
<laughs> Ken Clark, Yuri Lowenthal, Kel Mitchell, <laughs> Sterling Brim, and myself. And Kel Mitchell, like he would just be sitting quietly reading his Bible when he's not performing, and then he'd pop mm-hmm. up and do something so brilliantly comedically genius <laughs> out of nowhere. I'd be oh, he just had me. It was so brilliant. It just it, the brilliance. You know, I'm blinded by the light of the talents in in the rooms. They're just mm-hmm. amazing. Man, the stories I'm sure you have, and um, and the stuff that probably just ends up in the cutting room floor from all all the all the outtakes you guys have. Yes, yes. <laughs> Anybody who's done a podcast knows that. That's oh, for uh, sure. Right, yes, yeah. We, we got a little sample of that uh, about a uh, you know, several years ago with the with the Thundercats outtakes, and those still kill me to this day. It's like I if that's what that sounds like, I can't imagine the things we haven't heard. Oh, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's genius stuff, just crazy genius. I, I see that. Uh, uh, also, Hunter Slasher writes. Hunter Slasher thirteen wrote. Do you watch slash play any of the shows or video games that you are in? Yes, yes, honey. Uh huh. Oh wow! <laughs> I know you play uh, Skullgirls most definitely because I saw yeah. the YouTube videos months ago. In Ottawa, I got to. I broke in um, with Amanda. She was awesome enough to bring a P4 Arena, so I played that for the first time, and I sucked as Chie. Aww. But uh, I, I just she played Chie against my Chie, and I just got to hear myself go. I love that. That was hilarious. She's probably the best character in the game. To be honest, a lot of people do well with her. Uh, I know I do. I love her. So, yeah, I do like to play. I love to play the games that I'm in if I get a copy of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love watching – Wild Grinders to me is hilarious. I feel like that cartoon, even though a lot of people hate on the style, it's a very – to me, it's a very um, street urban style. I really like it. It's very – I don't know. It just reminds me of the '90s a lot, but the but the writing is a throwback to my generation's cartoon days. Like they have so many references to old cartoon stuff from like early Looney Tunes that I just—they're genius. They're G Hanna Barbera stuff. They they really are. I, I think that show is a great show. I really love it. So yeah, I watch that show religiously every week. I don't watch it live because I don't have cable. I actually bought it on iTunes and oh, I download yeah. it and I watch the show on iTunes. And I love it. Well, I encourage all the listeners to do the same. <laughs> so, yeah, you love. I mean, it's a boy cartoon, a skateboarding boy cartoon. So, but so the demographic, I don't know if girls would like it as much. I know women my age might really like it, mm-hmm. and so moms watching it with your kids. I mean, I think six to fifteen might be the demographic. Although older teens seem to hate on it, but I find oh. older teens hate on everything. So they, do. <laughs> they watch it secretly in closed doors, but they wouldn't tell anyone when they went out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the internet at work, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So um, the next question here, if we're done with all the Hunter ones, yeah, we are. Yeah, we we'll, are. We'll, Thank we'll you, move Hunter. On. We'll move on to Canada Man, and his oh, yeah. question Hello, is, <laughs> who was the craziest voice actor do you have to work with? Craziest? Crazy in what way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. a tough question? We're all a little bit nuts. <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> you know, I know I'm crazy. Um, I think you might mean in terms of just the recording session that, that you had to do. I think we've already answered that one time with funny, uh, funny courses that hadn't happened in the booth. Yeah, <laughs> like that one point with Ed, Ed, and Eddie. So maybe that would be as pretty crazy, crazy voice actors who you had to work with. <laughs> I know. No, there is. I've been. I've been on sessions, and I, I won't reveal the actors, but um, where the, the voice actor or actress, it was so filled with, I don't know, even know what to call it, where they're like, they, they had to, 
just divaness. Like every once in a while, mm. there'll be somebody who's like, "You're a voice actor. This is strange behavior for a voice actor." Where they're just very diva and very like totally different from the regular voice actors. Where they're mm-hmm. just what's the word? Um, they doing a. A thousand takes. They're questioning. Was that good enough? What do I need to? I think I need to do it again. I would like you to do more like wow. this. Oh, I'm really hungry. Can you order me in some food? I'm starving. I really need to, like over over. I think the word we're searching for is just overcompensating. Well, there are definitely people I never see again. Yeah. I was like, oh well, I won't be seeing you again. Thanks. That was gonna be my next question. <laughs> well, really, we really. We, you're not. You're gonna work with the people that are more uh, fun to work with. I mean, that's regular life too. You work with the people you like yeah. to work with that are fun, that make the job easy. People that make the job hard make the job hard. Yeah, pretty much. And, and they, they don't stick around very long from the sounds of it. No, but that to me is crazy. Like I'm like, I, what? Wow, that's crazy. That to me is crazy. Uh, okay, well, moving on then. I guess we'll go on to the next uh, listener submission well, question. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, the one with Kaon73, I think uh, he's basically, uh, Aaron had spoken about it earlier when talking about recording your lines with the other actors or by yourself and some oh, of yeah. the issues and, and some of the things with that. Or, so I guess we should probably just turn over to um, the next one, it would be uh, Chavello. Chavello, yeah. Chavello. Oh, yeah. And uh, he writes here, have you ever turned down a role or been forced to because of other engagements, perhaps, that you regret? Um, so, I, before I get to turning down a role, usually I don't have to turn down a role, but I have turned down auditions based on content. Oh, uh, okay. Things uh, that I felt were really racist, ooh, really I ob- get- just too obscene. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm not... I honestly, I think my niche is definitely I enjoy the energy and the vibration of the fans for the the type of stuff that I end up booking mm-hmm. that I'm not willing to go venture into an arena where the fans are going to have a dark appreciation of those types of things. That doesn't interest me. I don't need the uh, my fans have been spectacular. I've never had anybody creepy. I've never had any um uh, everybody's been really polite and very authentic. And, and I think if I were to dive down certain areas of voiceover, I would get some really creepy people and I don't want to invite that into my universe at all. Yeah, I've I, I, never turned down a job due to schedule. I always, figure, oh, okay. I will always figure it out. Oh, okay. So yeah, that, that was pretty much what he was getting to. Like maybe you were locked into something. You're like, Oh man, I, I had to turn this down. And then you find out it's something, Oh it's, man, I wish I would have done that. Okay. That's good to know. I will do three jobs in a day if I can squeeze it. Oh wow! But they have to, of course, want me. I yes. haven't had. I haven't had two. You know, tomorrow's my first two jobs in a day day for most of this year. So I'm excited Ooh. that I get to do two anime series tomorrow. What? Oh my god! Are, are you at uh, liberty to talk about which ones you're doing, or is it? Well, the is first it one I can talk about because I've already been on it. So the first one is going to be on for for Naruto, and the oh. second one I can't talk about because it hasn't been released yet. Oh, mystery. Oh. <laughs> I will tell you that the character is a male. Oh. Woo. <laughs> well, we definitely have to look forward to that. I'll, I'll, I'll have to keep looking at your IMDb to see which what it is once it comes out. I don't out. know what I'll be doing for Naruto, though. I don't know if I'm going back in to play Gurren again or if, if they're going to give me something new. I have no idea. I won't know until I get there. And Toonami just re- announced that they got back Naruto, so that eventually might come back. I that might know. we might eventually hear you on Toonami in the near future. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> That's pretty exciting. But All right. um, go so ahead. 
So who wants to take? Oh, I guess I'll take him. Uh, yeah, Hopefully. this comes from our most dangerous uh, criminal in in Australia, Mula really? <laughs> <laughs> Considering this guy's always wanting to give us questions, so he was only happy to apply. So excellent. So has there been any voice actors you've admired or looked up to from various shows that you've worked on? Yes. Yeah. One of my um. Oh wow. Like first of all. One of my first jobs in prelay down here was with um, being directed by Sue Blue. Oh wow! And I was, you know, I was a huge Gem in the Holograms fan back oh, in the day. That show oh, was wow. awesome. Yeah. Oh wow! So, like, getting to work with Sue Blue was a huge dream come true. I still fangirl when I see Cam Clark and Wendy Lee. I still mm-hmm. fangirl. I still like, oh my god, I love you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that that's a hard thing to turn off. When, you know, I think those are my my biggest. Oh, and I, when I met Candy Milo for the first time, I actually made her do the voice of the flea. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> like, please, please, redo this line for me, please. Because that's my favorite character of all time. I couldn't help it. I'm like, Candy, we... and she did. That's how awesome she is. She did it for me. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Next question from Mulaflaga is also what has been working what, what has it been like working in two different voice groups i.e. I, I, Vancouver to LA you know it's been it, that's a really great question it's it is a different energy and um, not by the talent the talent is all the same level of amazing genius talent but Vancouver treats their talent differently than LA treats their talent and i think that um it's it's healthier in america mm-hmm. as uh, um just as far as that goes but um the talent is the same level of genius and and brilliance i would never put one area higher than the other so so the only so for the most part in terms of the talent it's just a, uh, who's different <laughs> it's just one the treatment yeah. yeah as far as i'm concerned i i think you know andrea libman and the dobsons and um you know Scott McNeil, all those guys, I think they should be here. <laughs> I think they should be here. I think I think they should all be here with me, playing with me. Okay. Well, I, I, I certainly hope that they, they, they at least come down and make, make the trip at least sometime. To, uh, I, I guess they have. They, uh, I, in, well, they I noticed... have families and homes, and they're yeah. very happy and comfortable in their lives in Canada. They, they don't need to uproot, you know. They, don't, they didn't have the urge that I had. I didn't even have the urge to move to America for, for voiceover. I just came to America for a completely different set of reasons. <laughs> so... They, well, I, I noticed something about because you 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 also participated in Bleach, and Bleach has an amazing list of voice actors and actresses from all the different regions of the of, of Canada, and United States. I've, I've, that's one anime series I've noticed where you have talent from Canada, talent from Texas, and talent from L.A. all involved. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like it's right down the board. You have uh, people like. Um, I forget his name. The voice of Shinji on um on Evangelion. Um, oh, Spike Spencer. Uh, Spike Spencer. He was in yeah. uh, Bleach for a Run, and but he you got was it? Oh, he lives here there now. Wow. Yeah, he lives yeah, in LA. He, He's in he LA. Lives in LA. But a lot of actors. Shoot, I'll go to his house for dinner. He is also a gourmet chef. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> he is an amazing chef. He, him, and Cindy Robinson should have a cook-off. Man, that's if anything, I would, I, I would love to be a fly on that wall. No, I'd, I'd like to be invited for the tasting. There you same, go. same here. I want, I, want to, I want to try that food. All my senses shut down except for my sense of taste. They cook that well. Oh wow! 
man. They are good cooks, then. Because yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's the mark of a good chef. Yeah. Oh, Especially the sweets. Give me the sweets and pie and cheesecake. I love oh, that stuff. They should audition for the next season of MasterChef. <laughs> I, think, I think that Spike did audition for one of those shows. I oh, think it was MasterChef. Yeah, yeah. He got close. Uh, and he's going to do the audition again because he yes. really is that good. He really is. He can tell oh. Gordon Ramsay what's up. For real. For real. That's no well, joke. I, 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 if anything, I, I would. You gotta be careful because just because the cast member used to be in um, Texas doesn't mean that they were in Texas when they recorded Bleach. Because Bleach was recorded, it's recorded here at Studiopolis, directed by Wendy Lee. Uh-huh. So even though they might be Texas or Canadian talent, perhaps they were living in LA when they recorded it. Yeah, I know. I know Vic Mignogna, who's been a who's a big who's a very well loved voice actor in our community. <laughs> Is uh, he? I remember for a while he he, uh, he actually had to fly out to L.A. sometimes to actually record Ikaku on Bleach as well. So, and I know he's generally a Texas voice actor for the most part, if I remember right. Yep. Right. So I thought that was quite amusing or just fun in the sense that you did Bleach, as Solberg puts it, you. Bring in all sorts of talent uh, for for Bleach, and that's one of the unique things about that is that generally between some of those, it really depends on region for the anime show. Like One Piece, for example, is owned by Funimation, so that's mm-hmm. mostly concentrated well, I mean, in Texas. Z. I mean, half. I mean, a lot of series are recorded in Vancouver and then recorded down here, and then back to Vancouver, and then yeah. back. To, like it's kind of nutty how how over the map it is so depending why, why on, is that is it just because of money money uh, it's all money because in canada for a long time the american dollar was stronger than the canadian dollar so it was cheaper to go to canada now the canadian dollar is stronger than the american so it's cheaper to have it down here okay. which is so absurd like again they're already paying us next to nothing for anime to, to go that cheap where you're like really you need to pay less really something's that's pretty bad that's not cool you guys That's need to figure out how to make more money off of your product so you can pay people properly. That's just mad. And the spread on the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar right now is not big. It's like a few cents. It's 1.1. I just exchanged yeah. my Canadian dollars for U.S. last week. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, I think the most it's been was by like three cents at one point, like earlier this yeah. year. So mm-hmm. It's not a huge amount, but whatever. Well, when you're, cha- you're exchanging a lot of cash, it, it True. adds up. True. Yes, uh, well, <laughs> you, you, can tell, you can tell that Paul's an accountant. <laughs> Nice, nice. <laughs> but no, that's uh, that's freaking that's pretty awesome too. And um, I, I guess we have our last question, and um, this is submitted last by a listener. Little, yeah, uh, listen, uh, listener uh, question. Our uh, last listener question here. Uh, listener question. I should, yeah, exactly. Um, Momaru, who is a longtime listener of the show, he asks: Are there differences perform? Are there differences performance wise between video games and animation? Yeah, absolutely. Huge difference. Animation is rarely life and death. Video games is like the stakes are so ridiculously high because these characters are saving the universe, usually. You know what I mean? You're either at war. Like, Call of Duty, like, that is an adrenaline rush game. (laughs) Recording that is not like recording Monster High. Yeah, and and the amount of work that you have to do for a video game, too. It's like the the amount of lines you have to record. But that's not true. I have to say, like, when I record Wild Grinders and I'm doing all those voices and it's that animated, I I am just as – there's a lot. It's the same amount of record. The the only difference is for a video game, it'll – 
you might be recording a heck of a lot more lines and it'll just be you in a booth. Whereas at least for prelay, you're with other actors. So it's not all on you for the full four hours that you're sharing it with a group of people. So you can, there's a different energy. So I find that it's distracting. So those four hours go by much quicker. Mm-hmm. For a video game, it can get intense. It can get really intense. My goodness. Do you, do you find uh, do you find liking one more than the other? I mean, like you said, in a video depends, game, it depends. Like I really yeah. love playing Chie. It really depends on right. the character. I mean, Chie was uh, such a gift. It, it was such a gift. Like because they just called me out of the blue, mm-hmm. and they because they knew my work because I'd worked on Catherine and um, Devil Survivor, and so they knew what they wanted and they fit me into Chie's part, and I just fell madly in love with Chie and that was just effortless and I did prefer working on the game than the animation because the animation was under such a time crunch yeah. and it was it was it, there was a we read punch a lot out and again you're limited by I had to match Chie's face her, vo- her the the voice flaps I mean sorry the mouth flaps and stuff whereas the game I didn't have to match anything I had the freedom to really just express myself uh, and really get into her character like I really I put a lot of love, blood, sweat, and tears into her. I really enjoyed it. But I can't say that – I can say that that experience is more fun than the how we're recording um, Monster High right now because Monster High – well, not right now because we're not recording anything right now. But when we were recording Monster High, it was like very, very um, – like they they had a time schedule uh, again under I don't like being under the gun when there's there's not enough time they don't have enough time you've got to pump this out pump 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 that isn't fun to me mm-hmm. I do it and I'm very good at that my job so I I do it well but I prefer when you're given that creative freedom to really explore your character and come up with um you know, honest reactions. Cause I'm an actor. I prefer to act. I don't like having to fit into a certain, uh, we want you to just do this, just do that. No, 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 no. Let me act. Let me do what I do. It'll be, it'll be funnier. I promise. <laughs> if anything, it's a lot less, a lot less pressure involved. And I can see that frees you up to actually give the performance that you, that you, that you feel to give as opposed to, um, just getting something out there on tape. Yeah, and I feel I can hear the difference. I can hear the difference when something's being directed under the gun and when it's not. Yeah, that's got to that's got to make stuff fun when you're um, <laughs> watching stuff, being over overly critical like that. Yeah, well, no, actually, it doesn't. I, I don't really, I don't hate on it so much, but I can. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying hating on it. I'm just saying it. it you know that I um, one of my one of my I have like a couple business degrees. One of them is in advertising, and I've never really worked in advertising, but I still. You know, I'm still kind of critical when I see things with advertising and stuff like that. And critical is good, you know, good or bad. So, uh, you know, it's 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 just a different way of looking at it. So, I just that's that's what I meant with that comment. So, mm, gotcha. Well, in that regard, I guess uh, we're pretty much done at this point. We've gone through all our questions, including all the <laughs> and all the listeners submitted questions. So, I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate Aaron Fitzgerald for coming uh, coming on to the show for Gundam. Is there anything you would like to say to the audiences that will be listening in the future? Any final thoughts? Or, yeah. Or, um, mm-hmm. I, what I do okay, – so I'm, I've decided to, to join the convention circuit this year. And I, nice. I broke that hymen with the Naru 2 <laughs> convention in Ottawa, which was cool because I went to high school in Ottawa. So that was kind of like inaugura- inaugural with my hometown. 
but I am interested in doing conventions. So if people are, um, want me in a convention in their hometown, what they need to do is go to the website of that convention and send them an email suggesting me as a guest. Mm -hmm. Um, best thing to do is just to post my website, which is again, Aaron Fitz with a Z because my name's Fitzgerald, Aaron Fitz VO.com. And I have an appearances page and I have all my contact information on that appearances page so that any convention can contact me and see if we're the right fit um, for getting out there. Cause I'm definitely, I really enjoyed getting to hang out with the people I got to hang out with in Ottawa. It was so much fun. I got to do, I, I got, I got the entire history of the persona games that I didn't know what? all the way back to the beginning. Like there were some great panels and stuff. Like I'm really down with that. So Hell I would yeah. like to do more of that kind of stuff. And also, if, you know, I like interacting with, um, the people that are interested in the stuff that I do. So I have a Twitter, you know, Aaron at Aaron Fitzgerald, and I'm on Facebook um, dot com slash Aaron Fitz fan page. I po- I'm a troll for fan art. <laughs> I collect fan art. I love any fan art of my characters. I want it. Mm-hmm. I want it on my fan page. I, nice. I have to have it. I, I I just and if you know a really good artist, you know, I will hire you because I I have commissioned a, wow. a few artists oh. for for work because their work is so great and the love that they have for my characters is so obvious that I'm like, well, then I, I'm a, I'm a pay you for this. Nice. So I buy fan art, you know, like, so I'm definitely, if that's what you're into and that's what you do, find me and let me know. Cause, uh, I'm definitely interested. Well, that's quite amazing then. So I appreciate, again, like I said, I appreciate you from, uh, from actually coming out of, uh, from your busy schedule and coming onto the show. Does, so does, uh, so, Paul, why don't you lead us out with, with the show and close it out for us? Well, I, I, I'd like to say something before we go. Okay, okay, go ahead, Silver. Go <laughs> Sorry. ahead. Sorry. Um, no, I just want to remind everybody, uh, definitely pick up uh, Persona 4 Golden, which just Woo! came out on the PlayStation Vita. Um, I know I did. Absolutely. Dollo's a, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a happy customer when it comes to that. And, uh, uh, Aaron really, uh, blew it up in that game as well as Persona 4 Arena, which I'm very happy with myself. Um, that's out as well on, uh, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And, um, of course, the first volume of the Blu-ray for Persona 4, the animation, is also out. You can pick that up from Amazon.com, as well as other vendors. And uh, anything else you wanted to promote uh, before we go, Aaron, at all? Any any other projects? or uh, Watch anything? Wild Grinders! Yes. That was the second season on Wild Grinders, and I love that show. So watch Wild Grinder, or if you don't watch it, you know, just tape it and have your little uh, cousin or nephew watch it, <laughs> because it's Friday nights on on Nicktoons, not on Nickelodeon, on Nicktoons. And I just want the more people who watch that, the more chances I'll get a second season, because that was the most fun of my life recording that season. I mean, that series, love it. And and, and, um, and um, also to point also out to Neo. Up. Who's a big fan of this guy? Rob Drydeck is is the producer of uh, Wild Grinders. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob oh wow, Dierdick, Rob Deerdick. Oh, Deerdick, Deerdick, yeah. I'm completely killing his name. My That's okay. Yeah, Deerdick. <laughs> and um, the Aaron, uh, in the future, um, if we can maybe reach out to us, uh, reach out to you more, and maybe see how what you're up to, and you know, let us know too. Um, I, I know Solbro is kind of in our social media with our show and everything. Uh, you know, forward on and Solbo repost like uh, you know dates and uh, places once she once you start doing some of these more convention dates because okay. we have uh, we have a lot of listeners from around uh, from various parts of the country and and, and, and the world, Canada, too. yeah, and the world. So uh, definitely, um, you know, 
definitely keep track of everything there. So, but that's awesome. Thank, well, the I just want to scheduled for is uh, the um, uh, is it Anime Matsuri in Houston. Oh, okay. okay, that's cool. gonna be a juicy one. I'm very excited for that one because Kyle's gonna be there and we're gonna play. Oh, Kyle Herbert. Kali Bear. Oh my God, Ryu you from Street Fighter? Oh my goodness, I'm. No. <laughs> he was also Comet Anger on Login. Yes, he was, wasn't he? Man, that guy, he's, he's one of my heroes, if anything. And you are as well. You're a class act, Aaron. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for being thank on this episode. Thank you guys episode. for thinking of me and inviting me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was, um, it was, I, you know, I have to say, like I, I had stated earlier, I'm not a, I don't really keep up on the voice acting thing, and but it was very informative, and I, I like you know a lot of the stuff that you had you know you brought out, and uh, it you know really kind of showed uh, you know some of the trials and tribulations and a lot of the fun that uh, the voice actor is uh, you know that they go through. And you, you uh, just changed your universe. You're gonna you're gonna be a little <laughs> bit more aware. You're gonna be like now you you walked into the matrix. Yeah, I mean it, it's one of these situations. I knew. Always, I knew it was always a, a, a very interesting um, profession, you know, acting and, and a profession. And I, you know, it, it sounds like in a lot of ways, um, you know, you need much, a lot more talent to be a voice actor than anything else. So, um, you know, but thank it's you for different. that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having the patience and, and learning something new. Oh, definitely. I, I, I am. I'm, uh, I, my eyes have been open, like you said. I've, I've oh taken a good pill. So, uh, <laughs> to keep up with your Matrix uh, reference there. So. <laughs> and that's why you're called Neo. Yes. That's right. He is but. the one. He is the one. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess we'll complete this up. We'll, we'll let you get going, Aaron. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, everyone, this is uh, Gun. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal. That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a Gun. damn about your personal life. Start talking. I can't believe Game and Morph gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? Please fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, 
the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you, at tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. End of discussion! Debate is over, you will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology! You will kowtow, you will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can get me... Get used to it, it's the way of the world! If you're so hot on discipline, then gun damn it! Start by accepting mine, because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? Brother, why do they want to kill you? I recognize them killers from court. They broke their word. Oh, so it's you, the White Lotus, chief of the Lotus Clan. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Uh, so completes episode 114 of Gundam at MHQ. Um, and uh, but in this episode, we did a listener-submitted topic, and that was, came from uh, Matt Crossworld's own Arbiter Gundam. And it was fun crossovers that you think would work well, and he had some of our thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Last uh, last segment was uh, an interview with uh, voice actress Aaron, Aaron Fitzgerald, um, popular of uh, such characters as Chie from uh, Persona 4, and uh, you know various different cartoons and animes and video games out there. And just want to thank Aaron for joining us, and thank you for the interview. Uh, Solbro, can you once again go over some of her contact information for those folks out there that are interested? Absolutely. You can find her on Twitter by going to at Aaron Fitzgerald. You can find Find her on her website, which you can reach by two ways, by going to Aaron Fitz, that's F-I-T-Z-V-O dot com, or Aaron Fitz Badass dot com, <laughs> which is also um, showing up on her Twitter as well. And definitely um, check out the games that she's performing in, as well as the, uh, the different animes and animated series that she's in as well. And I uh, just want to thank uh, Dolo, uh, one, for uh, setting up the interview with Aaron, and secondly, for pinch-hinning for um, uh, Chris as he's uh, away with uh, Dennis uh, doing some newsy stuff. <laughs> and, uh, newsy stuff about culture-y stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the cu- thank the you, culture Dolo. of Jack Daniels. <laughs> now, culture, no, well, that's, that's who they're working with. It's just, uh, you know. Don't forget Jameson. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, take. It's got the best culture. (laughs) But, um, so thank you, Dolo, but uh, don't get too comfortable. This isn't going to be a normal thing on the show here. So, uh, all the. I got to go back and uh, set up more specials and provide more content. Back to the mines with you. Dolo's in the mix as usual. Yes, back to the mines. Follow, follow uh, Dalo Relance also on Twitter by going to Dalo R. That's D-O-L-L-O-W-R on Twitter. He puts in a lot of work for the show, and he definitely deserves props. So make sure you follow him and give him his props that he's due. Thank you, sir. Thank yes. you. You can also uh, check out my blog spot, too, which is dollarrelance.blogspot.com. I don't do much with it anymore, but I did post up like some of my older material, like my podcast. So check that out if you can. All right. And uh, for all those uh, worried, Chris will be back next episode. So, uh, Refreshed and hungover. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Maybe in jail. We don't know. We, we, we may not want to promise anything because he is with Dennis, so who knows. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Solbro, give us some of uh, the folks out there some of the contact information for Gundam. Oh, absolutely. Peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And back to you, Neo. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Solbro. Thank you, Dolo. And thank you, uh, Aaron, for your uh, interview. And um, hope you see you next episode, Chris. And we'll be back in a few weeks with episode 115 of Gundam. See you guys then. Later. Peace. Hey there, G.H.-on. Did something good happen? Oh, can you tell? Is it what I think it is? You finally caught yourself a boyfriend? Jeez, you always have to bring that up. (laughs) Be careful on your jog. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. What are you wearing? What? What's wrong with it? Honey, you are fighting for your future in front of a disciplinary committee, not entertaining the Secret Service. In Legally Blonde, Elle won her case because she was true to herself and dressed cute. Haley, this is real life, not an excellent movie. Honey, just put on something else and take down the makeup. Why are you guys acting like this is my fault? Everybody was drinking, everybody ran, I just got caught. If anything, I'm the victim here. What? Just stop, just stop talking. Haley, you're not the victim here, you're the one who screwed up. You made one bad decision after another. Now you're about to blow everything your mother and I worked so hard to give you. And the worst thing is, you don't seem to care. We all got up at 3 a.m. this morning to bail you out of jail. We haven't eaten a thing. And you know what I haven't heard from you yet? I'm sorry, Mom. I screwed up, Dad. Please forgive me. Now put on some real clothes. We'll see you at the hearing. Do not be late. Come on. Where are you going? To get that man a waffle.